Welcome back to Backboard of the Rings, a NBA-focused podcast. I am your host, Bard Lee. I'm joined by the usual co-host for this and everything else on the on the feed, uh, Eric, a.k.a. Shellen. Hello. Hey, Bardley. How you doing here tonight? I'm doing all right. And then we are once again joined by Dan Bayorn from Hall of Bayorn blog, website, whatever you want to say here. Wait, I have a blog? <laughs> Yeah, you're a blog boy. That's what I heard. We they made t-shirts for you. <laughs> I, pre- I prefer blog bear, but uh oh yeah, we should actually get oh con of the rings. I gotta we gotta put that in blog bear. Try to get that t-shirt. Um, yeah, thanks thanks for having me back though. It's good to be back with you guys. Yes, it is good to have you back. Uh, we had to have you back for this episode. To be honest, it would the whole episode would not make sense if you weren't here. It would be uh really missing a lot of juice. So it is currently February 17th. So this is the Saturday or, or sorry, Friday before All-Star uh, game. And so this is kind of like a break in the season. That's why we're doing it here. The trade deadline has passed. So teams have now kind of retooled a little bit and there's no there's no games. So that's another good reason to do too. So we're not like, oh, something crazy just happened and we missed it and we didn't talk about it. So a good natural time for us to kind of do another check in here. And as I hinted at already here, the big topic is gonna be the trade deadline and trade apocalypse, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah. I did ha- I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question before we start here about it in a second here. So we're gonna talk about five big trades as far as uh the hosts here are concerned and then we'll do a little originally we were going to do a kind of thing about the play-in uh, i still want to do a quick rapid fire questions about how people are feeling about some of the teams around there and um if we have time there's another interesting hypothetical question i will ask but we will see how things are going uh so before we start i want to ask you guys to guess here i went to nba.com and i looked at the uh, trade grades to see what uh, if people are not familiar with this what people say is like oh this team got an A for the trade this team got a B mm-hmm. both teams got an A blah 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 how many trades do you think were on that list and this I will I will tell you when this starts it started with uh, the Lakers and the Wizards trading Kendrick Nunn and picks for Rui Hachimura oh, okay so how many total trades did they think we're a big enough deal to hand out grades for them? Is that, yes. That's the question? Oh my yes. gosh. Uh, 17. Okay. Bayorn? I'm going to say 20. I mean, it's so many. Ooh, excellent guess because that is correct. It was 20. It was crazy. That's so oh many. God. That's uh, Usually, it, I don't know if this, if it seems to me, it's usually like 10. Not that many. It's usually a lot of ones that don't matter. 20 trade-worthy grades was pretty crazy to me i thought this uh this trade deadline i mean it, it, i really i wasn't exaggerating earlier when i said trade apocalypse like i cannot remember i've been an, an active nba fan for over 20 years now and i cannot cannot remember a trade deadline that was more eventful than this one no usually we sit there in the lead up to the deadline just like fantasizing and playing in the trade machine on espn and making up fake trades that don't actually happen you know it's like oh, yeah, the deadline was a bummer this is the year when, happened. 
when the GMs the were doing the exact same thing and were like, hey, let's pull the trigger, guys. Exactly, yeah. Yep. Yeah, usually everybody's like, oh, let's come up with our John Collins trades, and then he never gets traded. Oh, wait a minute, that's what still happened. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Collins and Miles Turner are still there. They're gonna, yeah, they're going to have to... Well, I, I'm actually happy that he got that extension, but that's a, that's probably uh, outside the scope of this trade talk stuff. But uh, no, they're going to have to rename the trade deadline to the uh, the annual John Collins... Um, <laughs> the annual is John Collins getting traded deadline. Yeah, we need one of those, like, if Twitter still exists, one of those accounts are like, is John Collins still on the Hawks? <laughs> Which just says yes or no every day. That's what we need. Yep. Um, so... Let's jump in. The first one I want to talk about here, I think, is the quickest cut and dry one. It concerns my team, the Milwaukee Bucks. It was a three team trade. The Milwaukee Bucks acquired Jay Crowder. The Nets, uh, they technically got five second round picks, but it's not quite how it worked. They basically got the rights to a foreign player who I did not recognize, a 2028 and 2029 second round pick. And the Pacers, they had to take salary from the Nets to make this work. They got George Hill, Jordan Nwora, Serge Ibaka, a 2023, 2024, and 2025 second-round pick. Those were all sent out by the Bucks. Uh, so, you know, this team that was like four picks for Nikola Mirotic at the deadline was like, that's not enough. We got a five. That's what's That's the new hotness. That's cool. So they gave up basically no one of impact to acquire uh, Jay Crowder, who, uh, I don't know, as a Bucks fan, I'll say, I think he's an interesting uh, acquisition. I'm not sure how good he is. He hasn't played for like a year is the problem, but I like that he gives them some lineup flexibility now. Uh, they can play him small ball four with uh, Giannis, Drew, Chris Middleton, Crowder and like Joe Ingles, something like that. Um, I, I he seems like a good fit, but he's not, it's kind of boring. It's like, yeah, it seems like a good fit. He plays defense, he's a streaky three point shooter. Uh, I have a couple of other thoughts about what I'm glad the Bucks didn't give up, but what do you guys quickly think here? I don't know, it's not a lot to say. It's kind of boring, like I said. I'll, I'll let Sheldon take a crack at it first. Yeah, I, I think. You hit all the the main points. It, the biggest one is, you know, he's getting up there in age. His last season in Phoenix, his three point shooting was even streakier than it had been. You know, I think he shot mm-hmm. a career low from three point range, or maybe not career mm-hmm. low, but like last five or six seasons low um, from three point range. His last full season there, he doesn't need to play a ton of minutes for the Bucks. Is, is the the positive here? He's a bench guy. He's going to come in. He will be in the playoff rotation. He has played a ton of playoff minutes. Vet, you know, he he's not going to be overwhelmed by the situation. And you're not needing him to to contribute a ton on offense. But the Bucks' three point shooting has been pretty bad. <laughs> um, oh yeah, so we'll get to that. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like he, he fills a need because every team needs more three and D wings. Uh, you just do. Um, but, man, I'm just not sure how effective he's going to be. If you're if you're hoping to get 20 good minutes out of him in a playoff series against the Celtics, uh, I don't know if you're going to get that. Um, 
But like you said, they didn't give up any depth or anybody that was actually seeing minutes. So it's just a net positive on there. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, you know, you didn't really give up any flexibility or anything. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you guys. I mean, if I'm the Bucks, I'm trading second round picks for even even if it's a 50-50 coin toss that he's yep. effective in the playoffs. I'm trading second round picks when I have Giannis on my team all day long because what are you going to do with those anyway, right? It's not like you're going to, like, anyone you draft in the coming years, like, by the time they hit, if they ever do, that's, that's, that's like, very likely to be, you know, post-Giannis world anyway, right? Like, you're not sitting yep. there going, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a home run in the second round as, as the Bucks. Like, that's just not a realistic way to look at it. So, uh, yeah, it's in terms of, like, this is why I think the trade grade stuff is so funny is it's like, it's real like some of this stuff really is a coin flip. You don't know. Um, I, I feel like they're trying to replace like they looked uh, the Bucks looked really good with Tucker a couple years back. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, just having a big wing who can defend and then sometimes it's threes. And I'm right there with you guys. Like the Bucks three point shooting is a huge red flag, especially against teams like the Celtics who hit threes and defend well. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be the monster matchup in the East, in my opinion. So I think to your point, Shellen, that is exactly why they got him is they're like, we got to see like he has a chance of actually in some universe containing the, you know, the Tatums and the, and the Browns of the world on the wing. And then if he's hitting a couple threes in a game, you don't need him to hit. It's just the same thing with Tucker. You don't need him to hit six threes in a playoff game to have a meaningful impact. If he's putting in good, solid defense and hits a couple open ones that changes the complexion of the defense right of the other team's defense so i i think it's not a huge trade but the reality is the bucks were already so freaking good that it is a meaningful trade if he with the asterisk that if he is ready to play and shows up for the playoffs because he is older so who knows he might be a non-factor but yeah, still, still I, worth taking the risk, right? You're, you guys are so you're like right at that edge of contention in terms of like you're already that good. If that's just the little bit that you need to put you over the edge, then it was worth it. Right, and the big reason they got him is because uh, they can't play Grayson Allen against the Celtics, but Jay Crowder is probably a better matchup because you can't put him in the pick and roll. Dude, and they, I, I watched that last game; they hunted him so mercilessly. Yeah. And, and target Grayson Allen in those matchups. Yeah, and speaking of of Allen, I am you know I know I, none of us really actually like Grayson Allen, but as far as like how the team is constructed, he's actually I think an important player for them. So I'm glad there's a lot of talks they were shopping him, trying to give him up. He's shooting forty point five percent in on three pointers this year, and uh, the Bucks as a team they're shooting. Uh, an average of 43 pointers per game and only 35.9%. That is not good at all. So they are high volume, low efficiency, which is a big problem they had in 2019 and 2020. Um, it might change a little bit with the return of Middleton, although he's, he's uh, the last month in February, he has shot 50.7% uh, from two on uh, 14.6 shots overall. Uh, per game and only 26.1 percent on 4.6 threes per game so it's three point shot has not arrived yet uh Connaughton's is poor Ingles is not been very uh good either yet so far Portis has been down so Lopez is shooting well 
you know, I wish Giannis would try to not shoot threes at all. Um, but Allen and, and Lopez are really the guys who are kind of lifting that stat up. It was interesting. I listened to the mismatch yesterday and KOC, he's saying something that like <laughs> the Bucks are shooting 32% on potential assisted threes from Giannis this year. And like compare that to Jokic, they're shooting 39%. So it's like, yeah, the Bucks are struggling from three. They will win because of defense and adding Crowder, I think is a good defensive piece. Um, and I think that's what they're looking for. And I, another team kind of thinking about defense here, let's go to Shellen's team, the oh. Warriors who were involved in this uh, crazy four team trade that also involved five second round picks, the Warriors, the Hawks, the Pistons and the Blazers. Uh, the Warriors eventually got Gary Payton the second. The Pistons took uh, James Wiseman, former number two overall pick. The Hawks got Sadiq Bey, the number one player I wanted Chad to try to pronounce his name. Then uh, the Blazers <laughs> got Kevin Knox and five second round picks. So, Shellen, how do you feel? Uh, we, we were talking about it pre-show a little bit. I, I think the main thing is five second round picks was just hilarious for that 24 hour period um, mm-hmm. as, as a method of currency in the NBA, like some point somebody decided that that was the cost of a role player was five second round picks. And, and that's what it was. <laughs> um, but from the warrior standpoint, it's good in basically every way. I think um, at least small picture, like looking at roster construction. I think if you take a big picture, look out at it and you're like, wow, they, you know, had the one terrible season where everybody was hurt, lucked into the second overall pick and completely blew it. Um, when you, so when you're looking at it from like that standpoint of a post-Steph world or trying to extend Steph's potential championship winning time further down the seasons, a couple seasons from now, it's a big blow. But for this year, Wiseman just was never going to fit with this version of the Warriors. Um I honestly still think he can be a good basketball player. He's very, very athletic, very talented, you know, great touch around the rim. He's just so lost on defense that he is just mm-hmm. a net negative when he's on the floor. Um, and, in, and even in the mo- motion offense, the Warriors do, he's out of position a lot of the time. So he gets to go somewhere where I guess he'll uh, sit there with, what two or three other project centers that the the Pistons have now, and then the Warriors get Peyton back, who was obviously a huge bench piece for them in the playoffs uh, last year, uh, especially in the finals there against the the Celtics. Just another guy, kind of like Crowder, who's just going to play good defense, give them good minutes every game, knows the system. Um, he's hurt, so hopefully he can get back and be healthy come playoff time. Is kind of the the big push here and hopefully the Warriors are good enough to to stay right there in the play-in so that him getting healthy matters. The Blazers said he's healthy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about that. Uh, let's quickly cover that. That was a really interesting thing where uh, the Blazers uh, well the Warriors claimed that the Blazers were not forthright in Gary right. Payton's medicals and that he was injured and they were shooting up with like Toradol I think to keep him playing and the the Blazers like we never did that and so now the war the Warriors um had a choice to basically nix the trade or push it through and they opted to push it through but they're going to seek like some sort of punishment for the Blazers for uh 
they claim for not telling them that Gary Payton was still suffering the same injury that he had like last year. So they, in, in a trade, a multi-team trade like that, honestly, there is no way they could, they could revoke the trade because can you right. imagine how awkward it would be to be like, Oh, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, second, you know, second pick in the draft that we gave up on, like, welcome back. Right. Well, not <laughs> so only that, but from a Lake of standpoint, I think I saw that, between this season and next season in salary and luxury tax, just getting Wiseman off the books saves them mm-hmm. $131 million. Yeah, uh, so, so, so he was uh, gone. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, like, that, that is such a good point. Like even if, even if GP two doesn't pay, play one minute the rest of the season, that's still such a huge financial consideration. Yeah. yeah that has to be the number one motivation, cool. right? Is to get Wiseman off the books. Yeah, you can't be paying somebody that's not contributing to the team $131 million, essentially. And I I like GP2 as a player, and I'm assuming that he is going to come back at some point before the playoffs and be healthy. And to to what uh, Brad said earlier, like he's he knows the system, he's a smart player, he's a mm-hmm. good defender, good on-the-ball defender, which they are desperately need right now. Yep. And so even if, you know, you don't even get him for – that much of the regular season, it still makes makes total sense to me. Like, because he's the exact opposite of Wiseman in the sense. Obviously, they play to- totally different positions, but like a guy that is a glue guy that gets the system, that is in the right place, that gets his, you know gets steals, gets deflections, good on the ball defender, heady player. Like you know, will will like you know scrappily get points on offense. Right? He's not. He's obviously not a focus on that team on offense, but like he'll get garbage points in, in lots of different ways. And then when he's that good of a defender, like that guy is in every team wants a guy like that. Right. What's yeah, sad to me honestly, is, is that Portland got rid of him because that represents a whole like shift where Portland just keeps like, I feel like they keep taunting Dame and going, Hey, we're going to put good guys around you. And when they, <laughs> I love that trait for them. I'm like, right. that's such a smart guy to get. And, and it was that, that reaction was validated when you saw how like you can, you know, I, I suspect you're going to agree with this, Shellen. Is it like it hurt you guys losing him? Like losing him and Porter definitely hurt the Warriors this year over last year. And I thought it was such a smart get for Portland to get him. And they're like, oh, put good wing defenders around Dane. Duh, right? right. And they're just they, like every time they start to do that, they like jettison a bunch of guys again. And it's like, man, it like ah. It hurts my heart a little bit because I want Dame to have a good team around him. He deserves that, but yeah, yeah. And like you're saying, the Porter and uh, you know JTA and Peyton, all those losses felt pretty bad. But now you kind of look at the Warriors, especially because Poole's playing pretty well again. Like if Wiggins and Curry get healthy and Peyton's healthy, you know you're talking your your top guys off your bench again or. Jordan Poole, Gary Payton, and Dante uh, DiVincenzo, who's that's been a, playing that's a good incredibly bench well. And, like, that's that's a good eight, you know, because, again, the Warriors still have one of the best starting fives in the NBA when, when Steph's healthy. So, like, it, you've, you've made a playoff rotation now. Yeah. You know, you can play Kaminga a couple minutes here and there um, and Moody a couple minutes, but you, you've got your eight for the playoffs now. And, and it's it solid, run. right? Because like you have Looney as your other big, and it's just it's you get you guys have a good squad. It's it really comes down to health with the Warriors, though. Definitely. I know that's an obvious statement to make, but like Wiggins, especially, like if he's not healthy, he is your 
like even with GP, I don't know. I guess it depends on if GP is fully healthy or not. But like, I feel like Wiggins is your best wing defender, and you get deep into the playoffs and you don't have him, you guys are screwed. Absolutely. And for for all the talk about Peyton being so good, he's still only six two. You know, like uh, you, yeah. you need Wiggins to match up with I mean, the bigger guards. Look at what you know, Wiggins did the against the Clippers or the yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely the Lakers or something. You know, what I mean, it's with size. So yeah, it's all going to come down to health for them. Yeah, I just think back to to what he did against uh, the Celtics last year in the finals, and oh, yeah. I mean, obviously that's looking way too far ahead. But like, the only way you beat teams with elite wings is is a guy like Wiggins that can actually make them work for their points. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And you know, a big thing with uh, getting GP uh, two back is that they have him for next year as well with this contract because you mentioned him, Big Regu. Dante DiVincenzo, they only have him on the middle level, and he's out, outperformed that. He is going to sign somewhere else. Definitely. And so having the extra control of GP is huge because well, we knew they never wanted to extend Wiseman. So I think having uh, the extra year of GP, knowing Regu is going to leave, is um, smart, I think, as well. I don't really yeah. understand. You mentioned the Pistons. I don't really understand what they're doing here. They got Beef Stew. Bagley, Durant, and Wiseman. You can't play all those guys at the same time. I don't get it. So, uh, I think it's confusing to me. Mad science experiment is the only way to like try and be an apologist for what they're. I mean, the Pistons have been poorly run for like a decade now, so who knows? But like, <laughs> well, their wings are good, right? Their wings are young and good, mm-hmm. and they're just like trying. They're going to try like five different bigs and go. Okay, one of these guys has to stick, and then exactly the problem yep. is the ones that don't have no value. What do you do with yeah. the bigs? That- fit on your team yeah i'm very confused by them because like they also kept bogdanovich which uh everybody was saying well they want like a veteran guy who knows how to play to kind of help lead the team a little bit in terms of locker room stuff but also he's good so he'll help younger players like not suck as much so i i kind of get it but this this part makes it's very confusing to me um the player they gave up sadiq bay though shall would, would you prefer sadiq bay over Gary Payton, because that was the original first trade, and I was like, ooh, I kind of like this, because he's, he's bigger. I guess the downside is he doesn't know how to play in the offense as well as Payton, but uh, would you I, rather just have Sadiq Bay? It's really hard to say, because Bay has pretty much always been a good player on a bad team, so it's really tough to, to look at that and know. My gut says probably Payton come playoff time, because we just don't need Bay's offense that he provides that is above and beyond what Peyton does. Uh, I'm not even sure he really provides the Hawks with a whole lot with the backcourt they've already got going there. But uh, uh, I, I could certainly be wrong, but I'd rather have the the piece where we need defensive help much more than we need offensive help, I think. I think that's this, fair. Yeah, this is totally one of those on paper versus like actually on the team things. Is to me, I I I really think it's a hundred percent a chemistry decision. Like, even if on paper Bay, like Bay is not not as good of a defender, but clearly better on offense. But it's a chemistry question mark, right? Whereas you just slot GP two back into the system that he already knows and go, okay, do do what you did. Like, there's zero questions there. Yeah. Um... I totally agree. I think I think that's a, probably what they were thinking in terms of reacquiring Gary Payton and why they wanted him. I know you mentioned the Lakers was probably disappointed to give up on Wiseman. That was kind of like his guy in his whole light years thing. It was kind of like their big deal. But 
Um, I will say, I you can win titles without your number two overall pick hitting. We saw it the last two years. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks drafted Jabari Parker second uh, when they already had Giannis on the roster. And, well, he was not on the team when they won a title. And Wiseman was completely useless last year. And they had a, and they, they won a title. And, uh, I mean, this year, TBD. Uh, so it is possible to blow a huge pick like that and win. And, but the, the, the way it works and the reason why it works is because it comes down to um, your front office being smart, your team building. Uh, they really have to be on point and kind of knowing... Being smart, knowing what they're doing, building this great, good culture, smart team. And I think that leads us to the opposite of that, potentially, <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, and amazing segue. So I'm about to feel really bad, so I have to twist the knife on Shellen just a little bit before we get away from Warriors. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'll that let the you. draft that had Wiseman, it could have, you got, the Warriors could have drafted um, Halliburton. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Kind of. I mean, yeah, he, he went like fourteenth or something, didn't he? So, yeah. I the only reason why I'm twisting the knife like this, and I'm sorry that I have to do this, is that we're about to talk about the Mavs, and I'm about to be really sad, and I just realized I don't have whiskey in front of me, which is a horrible <laughs> over because, like, this is my team. I watched this team. I actually, uh, my wife and I just went and saw uh, one of their last games before this mm-hmm. trade in Dallas. So. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So let's let's do this here. It was between the Brooklyn Nets and the Dallas Mavericks. The Nets acquired Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, a twenty twenty nine first round pick, and twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty nine second round picks. And the Mavericks acquired Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris, which I always confuse which Morris is which Morris, so I guess I don't really care. He's the lesser uh, Morris, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think what we'll just do here is uh, Shellen and I will make like Josh Green and Jaden Hardy and just stand in the corner and let Dan run some ISO here. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to let you guys talk, but I, I have thoughts. Um, this, this is like the classic example where the pundits love to do their pundit thing. And I'm just like yelling at my laptop or my iPad or whatever. I'm watching the pundits talk about trade grades on. Um, I mean, come on guys. Anytime you can trade for an anti-Semite that believes the earth is flat, you got to do it, right? (laughs) You have to. It's, it's required, right? Like now he's an amazing basketball player on one half of the court. I'll just say that right mm-hmm. off the bat. Like, I get why they did this trade, but let me just rewind to before this trade happened. Uh, it was it was Mavs Clippers. It was a Sunday game that my wife and I went to. This was I don't know a couple weeks back, and uh, I was re- actually really excited because we were able to get good tickets. Like some season ticket holder or whatever had sold them last minute, so we got a good deal on really good seats. And both teams were not doing load management, right? So you're seeing like unbelievable. Christian, I think Christian Wood was out for Mavs, but like it was full rosters other than other than him. And it was a really good game. Like it was tied going into the fourth, and I was like, man, this is great. And seeing Luca Cook and seeing uh, Paul George and Kawhi, and you're like, this is like a you know Western Conference powerhouse matchup. Mm-hmm. And 
tied going into the fourth. And then Kawhi goes, okay, give me the ball. And he scored or assisted or fouled <laughs> every single time in the fourth quarter, and we got blown out, right? Now, the reason why I bring this up, and, and I'm not even talking about Kyrie yet, is I've followed this team for a long time. I, I feel like I have my thumb on the pulse of what Dallas, like, when, when we're good, when we're not, when we're not, why we're not. And if you ask me what is the thing that we need going into the trade deadline, I would not have said trading our best wing defender for a guy that doesn't play half the time and then the off-court stuff and then even when he's locked in as a defender, he's undersized and he can absolutely get picked on. And in the West where there's a bunch of big wings, he will get picked on in the playoffs. So we so we trade our best wing defender for him. And yeah, I get that he can go supernova and score 40, 50 points, whatever. Like he he is transcendently talented as an offensive player but that is not why we were winning basketball like like great you got a guy that's even more amazing on offense but Luca is very ball dominant right and there's only one basketball and Christian Wood gets pouty if he doesn't touch the ball enough and now now he's playing beside two wings that need the ball to be effective and he's going to get even poutier and grumpier and we don't have any good wing defenders Right, like Dorian Finney-Smith was our best wing defender, and he's a good three and D glue guy. Everyone on the, t- on the team loved him. You trade him away. I totally get the Din- Dinwiddie thing. Like Dinwiddie is completely uh, you're you're replacing him with a much much better version of that style of player when you get Kyrie. But the problem is, like our defense got worse, and so yeah, I, all this yeah. talk of like Kyrie's gonna oh my gosh, you guys are title contenders. I don't think we're title contenders. Our defense is going to be in the playoffs. We're going to get torched. (laughs) Uh, You're already getting torched on defense in the few games since you've acquired Kyrie. It looks the game that I watched. The the fact that it was tied going to the fourth shows you like we were playing hard. We were playing well to be to go in against the like full squad Clippers, right? Tied in the fourth quarter at home. I was like, that's awesome. That's where we want to be. And then we got blown out of the building. We yeah, do not. Like, I, we, that version of us didn't have a guy that could that could guard a uh, Kawhi or PG, right? Yep. This version of us is even worse. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, even worse somehow. Your defense has been poor all year. I think you guys are bottom ten, and you removed your best on-ball defender. I, uh, is the plan to just win every game like one thirty to? 128 that's like the only way it's gonna happen i will tell you guys the game plan right now the game plan is to have Kyrie and luca each score 40 every single playoff game that's and it could that's what's crazy right yeah Uh, and and it could happen and we could still lose by 10 right it's not gonna happen for for three rounds against the west is the big issue i mean and and, you can get hot at the right time you can take a series you know what you mean yeah, and, and most people at this point, especially after the KD trade, which I know we're going to get to, would not pick the Clippers as like their go-to in the West. But like that shows you how stacked the West is, right? Is the Clippers made kind of marginal moves, kind of more on the on the level of like the Jay Crowder-ish moves. Like they made more moves than the, the Bucks did, but like they were already a very good team. They made little moves around the edges. That team to me, the Clippers is way scarier. The Warriors, assuming GP2 comes back healthy, are way scarier than the Mavs in the playoffs because you just look at the the versatility and the fact that you have potent offenses and potent defenses 
And the Dallas strategy is just like, we're just going to outgun them. And believe me, as a, as a 25 year Mavs fan, I know what it looks like to watch a Mavs team go, we're just going to outgun them. None of those teams were ever effective in the playoffs until we got good at defense. Right. I was going to say like, you know, the, the off, parroted thing of people that don't really follow the NBA is, you know, they don't play defense, you know, that that's the the big knock from non-NBA fans. When was the last time we had a team in the finals that wasn't an elite defensive basketball team? You know what I mean? Because we're talking the Warriors, their yeah, runs were it, it great. Was, it was like one of those the Raptors, Lakers, the Cavs, right? the Lakers won with theirs. I mean, it's been a long time oh, since we've had a bad yeah. defensive team in the finals. And, yeah, possibly yeah, that it, Lakers like, team with mailman the, that might be the last the lakers team was technically the last time to to your point like i completely agree with you and i don't even think that one counts because the reason why i think their regular season defense was bad is that Shaq didn't give a shit like yeah, <laughs> my yeah. like it uh he <laughs> didn't care and then once it was playoffs it's like okay we're gonna dominate and they only lost one game in the entire playoff so he, he kind of proved his point there right like right you're not gonna win games with Christian Wood defending the rim behind Kyrie Irving. Um, no, uh, like, like you said, especially in the West. Like, gosh, some of those teams I mean, are just so good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, we we have like so many minus defenders on the team, and I feel bad. I feel like I'm just trashing my own team now. But like, we, we were honestly one trade for a better defensive player away from being a scary team in the playoffs, right? Because a, a team with Luka Doncic and good defense. Who would want to play against that team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is definitely one of those kind of like, at least to me, it feels a bit like a desperation move on the front office's end. You know, you're sitting there watching Luca play incredibly well this season and the team barely be 500. The Mavs have the knock, you know, where they just they can't attract that marquee free agent. It just doesn't happen. They don't have the cap flexibility. So this was, see, Luca, we, we, we got you some help. We got you another star. You know, sort of move. Yeah. Where, I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. He's so volatile that, like, Lord knows what's going to happen. Like, he spent his first two weeks in Dallas basically trying to gaslight everybody on Earth into what his version of the events of what happened in Brooklyn One of the were. The most amazing press conferences I have, I have seen is him getting mad at reporters for asking non basketball questions. Yeah. And here's the deal, man. Like, when you're anti-vaxxing, flat-earthing, anti-Semitic, I can't even, there's probably more things I'm not thinking of. Like, people are going to ask you non-basketball questions. I don't know how to break it to you, buddy. Like, maybe, like, don't talk about all this other random crap on Twitter and they won't bring you these crazy questions. But yeah. Right, because it's causing him to miss games, too. Like, that's the thing, too, is like, guess what? Tweeting the anti-Semitic or posting on Instagram, I forget where it was, the anti-Semitic uh, link, it's like, and they suspended your ass. Like, of course, people are going to ask you about that now, and like, because it's a, a big question, you know? Uh, well, and, and yeah, I mean, not the, just... owner, the owner of the team you play for now is Jewish, right? This can get very awkward if he decides to double down <laughs> on that. It's like... Oh, and he already man. deleted his apology post. Yeah. <laughs> no, know, but, yeah. Josiah made him make. I definitely don't want to go down the rabbit hole of all of his off-court stuff. I just I bring it up because it is relevant. Like he he's only played in like half of his games. Right. That's why. For yeah. Suspensions and for injuries and for mental health days and whatever. And I don't want to diss people having to take mental health days. I totally get that. But he is not a reliable player. 
And right. That, that's why I have to bring up the on-court, off-court stuff because he, because it, it leads to him not playing. It's like one thing if it's like, uh, well, Wiggins, we know Wiggins didn't want to get the vax, but he, has, he, yeah. he didn't, he played. So it's like, but Kyrie yeah. didn't, and it caused him to miss half the games, and it caused him to, I will get to this, but it caused him to probably break up the Nets. Uh, James Harden won the trade. Yeah, that infamous, uh, I'll give him the damn shot myself after they ki- killed the Bulls. And then a month later, uh, James Harden is requesting a trade. He's on the Sixers. So it's like, that's yeah. why people bring it up because it's not just, you know, you have like his flat earth weirdo thing was like, yeah, whatever. But it's like, well, it's, all this other stuff is causing you to miss time to not be available. And it's like, directly affects the performance of the team and the chemistry of the teams that you're on and stuff like that. So that's why I think people ask him about it all the time because we know what he does on the court uh, when he's not available. But if you're not available because of either injury or you're up to stuff, it's like, of course, it's a natural question people have to ask you because there's only there's less than 30 games left in this regular season and people are going to be like, are you going to show up and play all the time? Like, what's going on here, right? Uh, so... Well, and not only that, but like, and that was kind of my, my thing I bring it up with the, the volatility is like, again, he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. Like, obviously you think that Cuban and the Mavs are probably not pulling the trigger on the trade if they don't have some sort of understanding with Irvin, Irving about what he wants this summer and what they're going to sign. But like, that was the, the final straw in Brooklyn situation is, you know, he wants basically the max that he can get this offseason. And the Nets were not going to give it to him. So he, you know, requested the trade then there at the end. Like, yeah, there's a chance that they made this trade and don't lock him up this summer. Like, it's, I, 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 that's what I'm praying for. And, 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 yeah, exactly. This is the thing. And I know this is going to sound really crazy, but like, this is what I tell myself so I can sleep at night without crying is, (laughs) Well, no, like when you, we had one of the best players in the league in his prime, and we just totally whiffed on like a moonshot, right? So I'm, I'm forgive me if I'm a little bit bummed about this, but no, I really hope they let him go in the summer, knowing that he wants to go to the Lakers anyway. And I understand that a lot of people are like, well, that's too big of a risk. You let him go for nothing, quote unquote. And I'm like, no, you 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 rid your team of a toxic influence, right? And from a basketball standpoint, even assuming he plays all the games and is healthy and doesn't do to tweet something else ridiculous, it still isn't a very good basketball fit. You let him go and you trust that Matt, you know, max cap space, which they can make in the summer if they let him go and make a couple other fringe moves, um, that someone want, that worth it wants to play next to Luca. And to me, that's a risk you take because yeah. Kyrie next to Luca, that team is never going to win anything. Right. I agree, especially with the the rest of the cap flexibility. If Kyrie signs a contract, yeah, yeah. Kyrie on a max for like, and this is the other thing on that contract, right? Because like, how old is he at the end of that max contract? I do not want, I don't want Kyrie Irving right now on a max contract on my team. I definitely don't want him four years from now oh. or whatever it's going to be. You know, whatever the length of that contract is, like at the end of that, I do not want him on max on my team. Hell no. 
Well, he wouldn't even be on your team anyway, because I'm sure he'd do something to... Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a thing that I would absolutely... Like, I'm not I'm not a sports better, but I would put money, if they sign him for the max this summer, if there's a way for me to bet that he will not be a Mav at the end of that contract, I will put real money into that bet. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely. A, that's a, a guaranteed. And I'm going to be given terrible odds, because everyone will know that I'm right. That you're right, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we kind of have not talked about because we we mostly just talked about uh, Kyrie and stuff is with the Mavs. I, I this is kind of like their one move they could make because Dorian Finney-Smith, his his level of play, but also his contract, he was going to be the key piece in any trade they made. So I think this was a big. This is probably one of the big parts of the risk too. Is they cannot really make any more. Unless, well, now that they're not going to have Christian Wood next year, I guess I imagine either. But um, they really can't finagle anything now because they don't have anything anybody else wants that fits with salary to get another big player. So I think yeah. that's another big negative of the Kyrie trade is he was your best trade asset, and now you don't have it, and, and it makes doing other deals really hard. This reminds mm-hmm. me of like uh, yeah. when the Bucks did not re-signed Malcolm Brogdon and people were like well though they should have re-signed him because then at least you'd have his contract to trade like they could have had Chris Paul if they had had um, Brogdon because you have to get within a certain amount of the percentage of the money to make trades blah 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 this is why we're talking about his contract and why it's important so um, I do think that could be it's it's, it's the tr- road untraveled for them in a Dorian Finney-Smith yeah, no, no, absolutely. But like the, the real, the real hope that I see, the the silver lining to me is that in the summer they can sign and trade him to the Lakers and get real assets back. Yeah. And I, I don't like, don't ask me what those are because I'm still trying to be optimistic here. But like, I just, I don't want him to be on the Mavs long term. And we need wing defense. We need three and D guys. We need role players. Like, mm-hmm. and this is the other thing about Luca, right? Like I don't want him, a, he sh- we need to have a team where he's not as ball dominant, but even so he needs to have the ball a lot. He's that good. Right. So you don't need to build a team with a bunch of guys that need the ball. Like that's not a Luke. That's not what you do with a Luca team. You, you build a team around a lot of the guys that we had, the, the guys we had just weren't quite good enough. Right. You need three and D guys that can hit an open shot and do all the scrappy stuff to make you a winning team. We just didn't have enough of those. And our perimeter defense, that which last year was actually pretty damn good, this year was terrible, and that's why we weren't as good of a team. Yeah, your coach also sucks, too. Believe yeah. Me, I know. I mean, <laughs> but, so to your point about the lack of flexibility, I agree. I don't like our front office. Like, I think the front office decisions are very questionable, and Kyrie is like A number one, but it's a long list of reasons why I think our front office is making questionable decisions. Right, and you know that was kind of the thing. the The joke transition I made was uh, the Bucks front office and the Warriors front office blew number two overall picks, but did everything else on the margins correctly. Made a lot of smart signings. You know, uh, we're talking about like you know GP and Otto Porter last year. You know, with the Bucks with the PJ Tucker trade. You know, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez. They they filled out the roster smartly and well around their stars, and they found players that fit and worked with their culture and everything. And that's why they were successful. The Mavs. I don't really know what the hell they're doing. Well, and, and you use the critical word there, culture, right? The Warriors have a culture. The Bucks have a culture. Teams like Miami, who probably this year are not Talk even a contender, they, they have a culture, right? Like, I mean, 
and, and so what I'm saying is it's not about, oh, well, culture only matters if you're a contender. No, that's not true, because I don't think Miami's a contender this year in the East, because it's that stacked, but they clearly have a culture. Dallas does not have a culture. Right. And, yeah. and Bartley and I like to do what-ifs, one of the things we like to talk about, not to go back to something we talked about too much last time, but again, like how can you not, if you're a Mavs fan, just what if we had just offered Brunson the money that he wanted back before <laughs> the, you know, he, yeah, mid season, could they have had him cheap and Absolutely. had a, you could have had your good scoring, bad defense point guard on a much low, less contract uh, yes. <laughs> and, and yeah. done other things. Yeah. It feels like <sighs> they're compounding, compounding some of that with these other moves. Cause they're like, Oh, we screwed up the Brunson thing. So then they're yeah. doing the Christian Wood thing. Now they're doing the Kyrie thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. but this is, yeah. this is the, this is the single like fundamental pattern that I don't like though, is that, like I do, Brunson has absolutely been on a vengeance tour and has proven them wrong there. And you're 100% correct. We should have just signed him. The reality is that still didn't solve the problem that like, no, we, we bring in, let's say we resign him. You bring in a guy like Wood and it's like, no, man, we need defense. Like adding more mm-hmm. offense to a Luka team seems, oh, we're just going to outscore everyone. No, you're going to get like backdoor cut for a million dunks a game. You can't do that in the NBA. Like it does not work to have a no defense team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say we did see Christian Wood block LeBron that one time, which was the most shocking thing I think I've seen this year in the NBA. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> you say about broken clocks being right twice a day, right? Like I know, right? That was that was I, I hate he's such a hater. Like he's he's a very talented offensive player, but like even on his best days, his defense leaves a lot to be desired, and the construction of our team is just so questionable. Anyway, I, I promise I do not want to rant about the Mavs all night. There's other massive trades we can move on to, but yeah, I just all I'm saying, I need to be I need to be on the uh, the um, you know the Mavs front office, and I'm going to help them make better decisions. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be that hard. I think they're making some very questionable, strange decisions. Quickly, do you guys like what the Nets got back for Kyrie? I mean, I I think it was great because he demanded a trade. They're probably like, thank God. We're so happy getting Dorian Finney-Smith, a first-round pick, in Witty again, some second-round picks. I'm sure they're thrilled because they didn't, all indications that they didn't really want him next year anyway. So I think getting... Yeah, I mean, to get that for an expiring is is great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I, th- I think Dodo is underrated, especially on that contract. I I love that the Nets are still going to be in playoff. Obviously, they're not going to do anything, but they're going to be in most likely in playoff position this year. And I'm going to absolutely root for them in the East as just a massive underdog, right? Yeah, yeah, and definitely. You, and if you're a Nets so, fan, you always get to have the fun hope now because they've got the 2029 unprotected pick that. You know, Luca leaves, right? Luca leaves, and everything goes nuclear in Dallas, and they get a lottery pick out of the deal. So, yeah, that's true. There's always a chance. I, I'm just going to yeah. pretend I didn't hear that because I refuse to be that <laughs> pessimistic. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I guess let's, yeah, let's continue uh, the Nets and why we think that they want those picks, why we don't think that they're going to make a big splash anymore. And it is the big trade I think that was shocking. Uh, truly, because uh, it just kind of kind of came out of a lot of rumors about it. Uh, obviously, it had been rumored in the off season, but it just it came together so quickly. And it is that the Suns acquired Kevin Durant and T.J. Warren for Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, who they shipped off to the Bucks, as we mentioned already, and four 
first round picks, uh, which are unprotected, which means they can be, if the Suns end up stinking, they could be the number one pick. And they also got a 2028 pick swap. Uh, this is clearly, as I've, I've said, such a fascinating trade. We don't see big, big stars ever get traded mid-season like this. This is usually an off-season thing. Uh, it completely changes the complexion of the West and what we thought about um, the whole race there. It com- this finishes the dismantling of the Nets, which I'm sure we'll talk about here. Um, I'll quickly go over some of the things that I think and I'll let you guys go here. I do think that the Suns obliterated their wing depth by trading Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder, but you would do it because Kevin Durant is that good, so who cares? Uh, if he's injured, you're going to lose anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, my major concern for them this year would be that Chris Paul's 37 and he's not look He's looked better as of late, but he is 37. He never makes it to the postseason healthy. KD's 34. He's had some injuries, and Booker this year is also actually... He's young, but he's had a reoccurring uh, groin or hamstring injury. So I still would do it because it's obviously Kevin Durant. Um, and my thing about the Nets that I will say before I kind of get into some more nitty gritty about them is they now have so many wing players. They are now a menu item at B-dubs. <laughs> so uh, what do you guys think about this one? I'll let you guys have the floor here for the monumental earth-shattering realignment trade, I guess. Take, take a crack at it, Sheldon. Yeah, so I'll, I, I'm in agreement with you. If you're the Suns, you have to make this trade. Like, if you have a chance to get Durant and you're not giving up that many pieces off of your current rotation um, of a team that, you know, was just in the finals two years ago, had the best record in the league last year. Yes, they're injured, but you have the chance to add Durant to that team. You have to take that shot for your window. Um, I do think that if they're healthy, they are probably the favorite in the West with that roster, even without Bridges and, and Johnson. But the health piece, it, it just scares me for them. Yeah, Durant is getting up there in age and have you know been a little bit dinged up since he came back from the Achilles thing. Paul, like you said, is he gonna make it through the playoffs? No. Like <laughs> the easy money's on no. Like some even if he's not like dinged up, something dumb will happen to him. He'll get stabbed in the eye or fall on somebody's ankle or because it just happens. And it um it's like you do it, it it's a good return for the Nets. I mean, Bridges is awesome. We saw him score what forty in his first game with mm-hmm. Brooklyn there. He hasn't missed a game since he was in high school, I think. He played every single game in his NBA career and college career so far. So like he's a great piece for them. So it the the Suns remind me a lot of the late Durant Warriors. So the team that lost to the Raptors, where they're so heavy up top that starting five is insanely good they're the best starting five in the nba they've got three all pro caliber guys out there but if one thing goes wrong to their depth in the playoffs they're toast like if they lose one of those guys you know booker Aiden or durant gets hurt it's over for them uh and i that that's where my concern comes from you take the shot you shoot the shot but i don't know that it's going to work out yeah yeah, I, I agree that you take the shot, but it's uh, 
I, I love Bridges. He's He was probably my favorite player on the Suns, and I get why the Nets – the Nets were very smart, honestly, in this, that they they wouldn't take Aiton. They said it's got to be Bridges, and that was a smart move because Bridges is freaking good, and he's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your guys' point, like, man, the wing depth on the on Phoenix is I, – I just watched uh, – because uh, it's it's funny we talk about the durability question and Durant is injured right now and I just watched the yeah between the Clippers and the Suns and the Clippers just like the Suns made a made a run and made it close you know at, at a certain point to make it look like a respectable game but still ended up losing by like ten but like it was systematic the way the Clippers just hunted the Suns players because they don't have real perimeter presence anymore like paul is a good defender who gets steals but he's undersized right and having a guy like bridges he was the guy you put on the alpha dog on the other team and like you have like you know tory craig and all these random dudes guarding pg and Kawhi, and it's just it's not it's not a good look right not a good look and and absolutely Durant changes the dynamic. When he comes back, he is that big of a of an X factor where he can just go supernova and be unstoppable and he is still a good defender even though he's getting older. Like he's not he's definitely not a minus on defense. So it's a huge swing if everyone's healthy. But to me on that team, that's a huge if because the injury that Booker has is one of those it's really easy to re-aggravate that and he's already done that twice Mm -hmm. so it's just a huge question mark the health of that team right their window is is their window one year i mean at this year i guess i don't know because like it's tough to say if it's because he was in the offseason or or, or, i don't the the other thing they got a what's the terrence ross or whatever on waivers so like there's going to be guys that want to go play with kd right But are there going to be guys that actually like make an, an impact in the playoffs? Yeah, that remains to be seen. And, right. In a lot of ways, things have not changed for, for KD. He's got to be still amazing for his team to win the title. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's kind of funny. He, we, he went from, uh, as Zach Lowe's often called them, the greatest theoretical team on paper, the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets, to another team that looks theoretically great on paper and should work. But also, again, we're like this. It's the problem is that this specific year is not an ideal scenario. Like as we've mentioned before, with the Booker injuries and the Chris Paul, he he was really bad to start the season. Like I said, he's turned it around. I think he did he just have like a nineteen assist game or something like that. So he's turned it around. But like, man, this would have been so much better. Like a year ago trade, right? Where Chris Paul's only oh, only thirty six. It's crazy to see teams hunting Chris Paul on defense. Like, that'll give you a sense of, like, how he clearly has aged. Is like, no one in prime Chris Paul would be like, oh, we're going to hunt that guy because he had such good hands that even though he was undersized, you don't, like, you don't post him up, you don't go at him. Like, he's not the guy that you're targeting when you have the ball. And now teams hunt Chris Paul. Yes. We've seen kind of time and again with these super team constructed things that it's not always hitting the ground running playing well right away you know like durant joining the warriors machine was basically a (laughs) you know a outlier in terms of 
even the Heat big three or the Nets when they first started playing together and all these sorts of things. It takes time to learn how to play together in these things, especially when you got guys, I mean, what, Paul, Booker, and Durant are all obviously great three-point shooters and court spacers, but are mid-range guys, mid-range ISO guys at heart is you yeah. know the shot that they're looking for and hunting when they're on offense. Like, if Durant takes a little bit longer to get back, if Booker has, you know, a little bit of re-aggravation, do you have enough time playing together to hit the ground running, you know, as a six seed in the way? Like, Memphis is staring you down in the first round, or the Clippers are staring you down in the first round. You don't have a lot of time to get ready uh, and play together. It, it, if they don't come back from injury quick, it is a potential problem also. Yeah, it's such a bloodbath when you think about the teams you have to face in the West yeah. to come out, right? It's just insane to be like, oh, you could go through Memphis and the Clippers or Denver or like just it's absolute madness. The quality of the teams now with the shift of talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their seeding could be a problem. I, we, we'll get to that when we do our quick lightning round on the uh, play and stuff. But it's like they are not guaranteed to be a team with home court of the first round, which would mean they could be going on the, the road for every single series. Uh, honestly, you know, if you have Kevin Durant, I guess, and he's playing to the level that we saw before his injury, I guess, who cares? But, uh, I mean, that's still not an ideal scenario. You would prefer to have those games at home because we know role players play better at home. And I guess they don't really have any more because uh, I got rid of them all. But, uh, yeah, could be... I, the other one that I thought was kind of strange, we've mentioned a lot about their uh, obliterating their wing depth. I thought their trading Sarge was a little bit weird because it's like now he was a pretty decent backup center, and now they have I think they get Baisley, right? Um, yeah, Darius Baisley, and he's not very good. So it's like I thought that was kind of strange. I don't really understand uh, why you'd want to do that. Yeah, Sarge was pretty good for them. That is a weird trade, right? You're really relying on. <laughs> Is Mac Biombo minutes in the playoffs again? Oh, like we saw how well that worked last year. You know, like they had another big. Yeah, Aiton is a weird center. Like he's very talented, but he's very soft. Yeah, he doesn't finish at the rim the way you would want him to. He takes a lot of like jumpers and hook shots. It's like, dude, like muscle in. You're huge. Drop your yeah. shoulder a little bit. Push him out of the way. Get layups and dunks. But he settles so much for jumpers, and it's like he doesn't play like. Uh, a big man with the type of body that he has. And he, he doesn't shoot the ball well enough like Embiid because Embiid shoots threes a lot too. But it's like, well, yeah, guess what? Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate. <laughs> uh, so he can do that, right? His offensive game is good enough to be able to play inside out where it's like, Aiton, your offensive game is really not good enough to be not playing power bully ball post-up more. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the alternate universe that I would have tried to create if I was the Suns front office. Is just keep keep Bridges and uh, and trade Aiton. And I know I know the Nets weren't going to go for that, but I just I imagine that team and that that team is scary, right? Where you keep where you keep Mikhail. right? You play KD at like the five and the really small ball lineups, and you just try to like Yoke shoot up shoot teams out of the gym. 40, Twenty and fifteen that series, but. It might it'd be a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are definitely matchups that I think are going to, even even with the Suns being as stacked as they are, that are going to be really troublesome because Jokic, Jokic is going to be a problem for everyone in the West. But yep. 
Yeah, you, you kind of mentioned it, Chun, because I wanted to ask, does this trade make the Suns, the question everybody's asking, right? Does this make them the favorites in the West? And you kind of seem like you thought, yes. Is that correct, Shellen? I think probably on paper, yes. Um, it's tough for me to to go against Durant on a team that was already very good when healthy, uh, <laughs> having seen it work once before. Uh, obviously, the, this version of the Suns, not the, the Warriors, but I think so, just because I'm not sure how much I trust Denver in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Denver has their own flaws. Denver struggles to score, right? So, And definitely, the Suns will be many things in the playoffs, but they will not struggle to score. Yeah, uh, Denver's defense is, is not great. I think is it middle of the pack, I think, is that right? Usually you want to be top 10 yeah. of offense, defense to win the title, so that could be the thing that holds and him back. What do you think, and, Dan? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Unless you want to say something, Shell, here quick. No. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with Shellen. Like I, I think I think you got to pick the Suns. I think the asterisk of health, which is an asterisk for every team in the playoffs, is a pretty big asterisk for the Suns for all the reasons that we kind of outlined. But I do think that if healthy, the Suns are the team to beat in the West. Um, yeah, Denver is a weird one. Like Jokic is so transcendently talented, but like there's just I don't know. It's a it's an interesting team. Playoffs are going. I don't know if we'll talk about them that much, but Bryant and Jackson are both, you know, good additions to that team. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I still. Oh, go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say some of these little fringe trades you mentioned, like, you know, it was 20 trades or whatever that happened, or 20 trades that warranted a grade. I'm sure there was even more than that. But some of these little fringe trades, they, they can end up mattering, right? Like if you get a guy that can give you some minutes off the bench, meaningfully in the playoffs and, and not be a huge minus for your team that's that's a win for a team that's already very good right yeah huge the, so, the nuggets no, don't have to play deandre jordan in the playoffs now oh like, god that's, that's huge like oh that alone is gigantic for yes. you know a team that's terrible when you open the floor yeah. Yeah. yeah he's even if thomas minutes a night mm-hmm. oh even if thomas god. bryant is like a c and he's just okay and they're not a total it's like Oh, instead of being a total sieve, we're like a mesh, <laughs> yep. a mesh net. It's like, oh, it's a massive improvement over DeAndre Jordan. Those those minutes when Jokic is sitting won't basically lose us games. They might just like severely hurt us. Is gonna make a big difference. Um, I still maybe it's because I picked them to win the in the uh, I picked them to win the West in our preseason prediction. I still like the Nuggets. We've mentioned continuity. I think matters a lot. Uh. We all discuss how much we love Jokic, and he's amazing. And I think the underrated thing is that is one of the real, actual, true, real home court advantages. Uh, Playing so high up in the thin air, in the altitude, yeah. And I think uh, teams having to come in there, it's very hard. We know. So I I think that could actually benefit them if if they can get... Well, they're running away with the number one seed, I, I assume unless they get a big Jokic injury that they will probably lock that up at some point. So, um, yeah, we've mentioned defense doesn't worry me about them, but, uh, yeah, it's close. I, I, that's why we asked the question, right? Because it's close now. That's not much to pick between the two teams. Uh, I do want to touch on some of the Nets stuff here. I think they did a pretty good job. We've all loved Bridges. Definitely true. 
They turned Crowder into a ton of picks, as we mentioned previously. Uh, I think Cam Johnson is good, and they have replenished their pick supply, and, and this is important because they gave up um, two first-round picks and two swaps to the Rockets uh, in the James Hard deal. So they uh, don't have their first in 2024 and 2026, but now after these Irving and Durant deals, they have... The, sorry, this is going to be a little long. I, I basically just copied and pasted this because it was crazy here. They now have unprotected picks from Phoenix in 23, 25, 27, and 29. They have an unprotected pick from the Mavericks in 29. They have a top eight protected pick from the Sixers in 27. That was from the, uh, <laughs> the Harden trade when they traded Harden away. And they also still have their um, own first-rounders in 23, 25, 27, and then way in the distant future when who knows what the world is going to look like. Um, so it's important so they can't take out. Is the, is the right there, basically. Sorry, what was that? Oh, I was just saying that's like two basketball teams worth of picks you just listed off, right? I know it is. It's crazy. But it's important because they, they can't bottom out. Uh, because they don't have, they don't control the Rockets picks, so that's why they had to get back players like Johnson and Bridges uh, and Dorian Finney-Smith and Dinwiddie because they want to still be semi-competitive, uh, and then hope these other teams think that's kind of or bundle these picks because now they kind of have all the pieces, right? Now they're kind of back where they were pre-Durant Kyrie. Was like, oh, we have a lot of really nice players, uh, a lot of good fits. We just need the star now. And they're kind of back there again, so now they could potentially trade some of these picks again to get the star. They have players that they can put in to try to get a star again, or or try to attract uh, someone who decides to leave. So, I... I yeah. Uh, as far as the trades go, I think they did pretty well. And I don't know what you guys think here. Yeah, you're never going to win the trade when you're the team that's giving up the superstar. Um, you're right. never going to get enough assets back to, to be able to say that you were the winner of it. But for them, I think it's going to come down to, you know, Ben Simmons now probably has the worst contract in the NBA. Can yes, you move that? Like, is no. there any <laughs> way that you can? The answer is probably not. But, you, you know, you've got Finney Smith, Bridges, and Claxton all on very team-friendly deals mm-hmm. for a couple more years. That's a very solid core. You know, like you said, you're you're missing the star, but you've got two incredibly good wings, Bridges being, like, almost star-level wing. Uh, and then Claxton's been a very good piece for them at center this year. They've got flexibility. Yep. Oh. It's just all going to come down to the Simmons contract is just an anchor around their leg, unfortunately, uh, for doing anything. but. A lot of wings. They're they're interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, I I agree. You can't you can't win when you trade Kevin Durant away. But honestly, once they signed Kyrie to the Nets, this whole on paper team was basically doomed. Mm-hmm. Is my assessment of it. So I mean, it's the way that they extricated themselves from it is pretty impressive. Honestly, I mean, I get that the Simmons contract is an anchor. Yeah, that that sucks, and it sucks that he's not probably ever going to be a viable basketball player. But all things considered, you look at all the rest of their team other than Simmons, and it's it's actually pretty good. Um, 
under the circumstances. Yeah, I think they've done a decent on-the-fly retool. Like they've they basically did this in like a week. So I think right. they've done a pretty good job of kind and of insane number of draft picks too. So like that would be if you can get rid of Simmons, it's using picks as inducement. That's true. Yeah, you could attach those picks and be like, take his contract, please. I'm sure there's some team out there who will have cap space. I, I you know, like the Spurs, uh, they they. Wait. Are all in for Wemby, and they'll have cap space. They got rid of Pirtle and stuff, so they could be a team that would be like, we can fix them too, maybe, but they might be incentivized to want that, you know? Yeah, I mean, or or the the, the next dis- disgruntled superstar, you know, if that if that happens and that team decides, well, if we lose our superstar, we're going to rebuild, then yeah, take take the Simmons contract and a bunch of picks, and that's the way to rebuild, right? Mm-hmm. Could be, yeah. I I don't know. I mean. It's hard to say. It's it's such a weird situation too, like how far he fell as like, you know, coming into the league looking like a future Hall of Famer and now it's he's basically unplayable. Yeah, he was an all NBA uh all NBA player and Shock Vaughn just had that that bizarre press conference where he was like basically said, We can't play him with any specific lineup that we have on the team. And it's like, well, uh, okay, that sounds great. Um seems bad. He's uh, not not wrong though man like you can't in the modern yeah. nba you can't have a guy that that size that doesn't want to shoot ever right and or doesn't want to go to the line find yeah. enough that he's not even you know an all defensive team type player on that end of the floor anymore so yeah it's all bad. yeah 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 his situation is kind of sad i i it is also kind of fun to clown a little bit because he was so good and he passed up on the dunk but it's like man you were really good, and you are just such a... He needs to go to a place where he can just basically be anonymous for a while and kind of get his confidence back in ritual. Like, the Nets thing where he was supposed to be the Draymond guy, and he was, like, a key piece that was... Obviously, didn't work. Um, and I think that was one of the things that probably Kyrie and KD were like, oh, my God, this guy. <laughs> uh, so... um do we want to do Nets moratorium now, or do we want to? Should we just do it? Let's, or do we want to maybe talk about that a little bit later? It's up to you guys. Let's let's do the last of the trades here uh, before we okay. dive into any of those sorts of things. All right. So the last one, then. Oh, we just talked about getting rid of contracts. Let's yeah. talk about it again, baby. It is. A three-teamer between a team that never gets talked on backboard the rings because uh, Shell and I are so sick of hearing about them all the time. The Los Angeles Lakers, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Utah Jazz. The Lakers got Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Jared Vanderbilt. The Wolves got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Mike Conley, uh, 2024 second. Oh, and 2024, 25, and 26 seconds. Sorry. The Jazz got Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, and a 2027 first round pick. Um, so, kind of the reason I bring this up, but this was such a much rumored uh, trade with Russell Westbrook about where he was he going to go. Is like they want, there was a lot of talk about him going to the Nets for Kyrie. There were, I mean, there were a million Russell Westbrook thrown out trades. Uh, he had a horrible contract because it was so expensive, but he wasn't expiring. Uh, you know, I know Darvin Ham got him to come off the bench and be a six man. He was 
playing all right, but still he was $44 million a year, uh, sixth man. Uh, and uh, I guess my notes for this one, as far as the Westbrook thing goes, I mean, his deal was so big. They could have had... Uh, I don't know if you've heard of these guys' players. It seemed like pretty good fits for the Lakers, but uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope making $14 million a year, Kyle Kuzma making $13 million a year, and Alex Caruso making $9 million a year. Those would have fit into the Russell Westbrook. Uh, I, I think those players would have been really good on the Lakers. I don't know what would ever make me think that. Um, definitely not because we saw it before uh, hosting the Larry O'Brien trophy, but... Yeah, I think I might have rather have just had those players instead of that giant ass. Oh, sorry, forty-seven million dollar contract. Uh, right. So, I think that's pretty funny. Um, and then the other thing is, I think Delo sucks. So I, I don't really like that as the acquisition for the Lakers. But Beasley, um, yeah. he's a high volume three point shooter, so I kind of like him for that. But it's it's a red flag the way Minnesota has a press conference saying like, oh, we, this is our guy that we've wanted forever, and then like turns around and just trades him to the Lakers. It's like, yeah, maybe getting D'Lo is not as big of a deal as everyone thinks it is. Yeah. Right. I think honestly D'Lo is one of the least important pieces for the Lakers that they acquired at the deadline. Um you know, it was good that they were able to get rid of Russ's expiring without having to get rid of both of their picks for them. That was mm-hmm. kind of what their front office was harping on the whole time. They didn't want to get rid of their 27 and 29 picks. Um, this, this for them, really, really reminds me of when the Cavs, uh, the last season that LeBron was there, kind of did a very similar, like, turned over half of their roster at the deadline. If you remember that, they got rid of Dwayne Wade and Shumpert and Channing Fry mm-hmm. and and stuff and brought in what Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Clarkson and all these sorts of guys. They got younger, they got some shooting, you know, they got Mobamba and Hachimura to kind of shore up the front court and stuff. Like all of these moves for the Lakers made them a better basketball team. But all of these moves for the Lakers, I don't think them made them enough of a better basketball team to actually be competing for a title. The West uh, is good. Yeah, like they did as well as they could. These, I, I honestly think these were good moves for them. They got good players that seemed to fit well alongside the guys that they have, which Russ was not. Uh, but it, it's just not going to be enough, I don't think. It, it should be enough to at least get them into the play-in, um, which they're not currently in that spot right now. So a positive there, but this is not a win for playoff series against teams that are better than you type roster. Regardless of how incredible LeBron is, that's just a, that's too much of an effort for him. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about peak LeBron, right? Like, it's he's still really, really good, and it's awesome and impressive that he's really, really good this late in his career. But I, I, I'm in total agreement on that. Like, they they got better. This is in moving in the direction of how they should have been doing roster construction, which is why. Brad's joke was so funny. Is it's like you look at how good Kuzma and Caruso. Granted, Caruso has been injured, but like when healthy, just those two guys look so freaking good on other teams. You're like, why did they ever get rid of them? Yep. Yeah, freaking G- late late GM. What a terrible GM, man. Like, cause he we know he pushed for getting Russell Westbrook overhealed and Turner. And it was obviously all of the things that have happened since then, and that's why he's so 
in all these press conferences, tried to be like, I'm not making decisions. I'm going to trust the front office because everybody knows he, he blew it. Like he is the reason that they are not a title contender because they have this, they had this Albatross Russell Westbrook contract and they couldn't, it caused him to cheap out on Caruso. So he left. It caused him to get rid of some of these other guys that they had to trade for him. And it's like, man, what a huge, huge, huge mistake. Obviously. Uh, I wonder, um, we, we, the, the pieces they picked up overall, Sheldon has mentioned a few of them. They actually kind of have an interesting, pretty decent team now. It's probably just too late for them. Like if they had yep. started the season with this roster, they could potentially be a team that could escape the plan and be a top six team. Yeah, assuming I guess assuming AD stays healthy is the, that's probably the big question for them. But um, putting that aside, which is obviously the big question for them, like. The roster's not horrible anymore. The roster's like okay now, but I think it is too late for them. Yeah, they're gonna need time to gel. There's so many new guys on that roster, and they still have health issues. They don't have like they're another one of those teams where you look at their core lineups and they don't have very many minutes played because they're just constantly shuffling through different combinations of guys. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, they're like they're, they're such a weird team now because everything has been so focused on LeBron's uh, breaking Kareem's record this year. That's been like that's been their big storyline, as well as the Russell Westbrook thing, and uh, you know all this has spawned now AD stuff with the scoring title thing. And it's like uh, they're such a dysfunctional team right now that um, I'm not sure how many players they can that they acquire can really fix some of the other things kind of going on and festering underneath the surface because we know LeBron is so passive-aggressive on his <laughs> to his teammates, too. We're, he, we know he's going to be complaining about D'Lo soon, and it's like, ugh. I, I, I mean, like I said, I like some of the guys that got Beasley. He's not the most efficient guy, but he'll shoot threes, and they need guys who can shoot threes. They have, like, Austin Reeves and no one else, so. Yeah. Um yeah, their shooting got better. Their defense got better. I mean, it's just to your earlier point, they never should have traded for Westbrook. That that made they took all the things that were a strength on their team and then made them into weaknesses. Which yeah, you know, that's really harsh against Westbrook. But like he was a certain style of player in his prime, and you can't continue to be that style of player. You have to change your play style as you age. M- most players do. If your if your yeah. name is not LeBron James, you have to change your play <laughs> style. As you age. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there is um, some hope for D'Lo on that front. At least he's not going to go out trying to play like Russ. Hopefully, uh, as a sixth man, we'll see. It, it's not true, good. True. It's not good that the team that D'Lo left picked up a thirty-five-year-old on the downturn of his career, Mike Conley, and legitimately thinks yeah. that they're better off. <laughs> oh, they well, they be. are. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like oh, that's a scary thing. I honestly think that was a smart, smart trade for the Wolves. Right. So I mean. That's not what you want from your your sixth man there, where it's like, oh, we, you know, the team that got rid of him upgraded also. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is competing D-Lo's for a thing, playing spot with us. Yeah. This year is his catch and shoot threes have been good, but that's not really been aligned with his career much. And he, at, at, on the Wolves, he did not want to do that. On the Lakers, he'll have to do it. But for the Conley thing, it's like they just needed an adult in the room, a veteran guy. I mean, that was the mis- I, 
Again, I cannot believe I'm defending this player because I hate him so much. That was a mistake in getting rid of Pat Bev <laughs> for the Wolves. They needed some guy who to add a little bit of grit to them and, uh, and veteran presence to kind of keep some of the younger guys in line a little bit and keep them working hard and snuffing some of the resentment out a little bit. And that's what Conley can do for them. And also, uh, they have Rudy Gobert on the team. And Mike Conley was like the only guy on the Utah Jazz who actually knew how to play and was okay with playing with Gobert. And already he's throwing lobs to Gobert on the Wolves to make them look better. That alone is the biggest part. Like Gobert has been such an offensive negative for Minnesota without an actual setup and for him there on offense that just getting a couple cheap freebie points from Gobert every game because Conley put him in the right spot is huge. You know what I mean? Like you get a couple just bonus points from Gobert every game now as a result of this. And instead of uh, turnovers from him trying to post up. Yeah, I know. Exactly. No, and this is like, I'm not saying Connolly long term is, you know, any amazing get for the Wolves. It really is just chemistry, though. Like, that, like, mm-hmm. trading someone yeah. that, like, yet another guy that was not going to pass it to Gobert in a way that was going to lead to scoring. Like, no, you need a point guard that goes, oh, I know how to play basketball. I'm going to pass it. It's, um, yeah, no, that, that whole team is in like a crazy flux right now, though, because they, they, I think they just realized you know, like yesterday, who their best player was, and it's not Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Ant is... Uh, I, I love you mentioned Beverly, though, just for one second on that, is uh, it's, it's a bad sign when Pat Bev is saying that a situation is toxic, but that's actually <laughs> what he said about the, about the Lakers on his way out yeah. the door. He was like, oh, yeah, that whole team is so messed up. And it's like, man, when Pat Bev is calling your team out for chemistry issues, that's... I know. Oh, it's so good. <sighs> I know. I can't, like I said, I can't believe I'm defending him. I hate him so much. And it's like, I can't believe I'm agreeing with him again. It's like, oh my God, that's how bad it's gotten at some point when you're like, you know what? Pat Bev is, he's right. Pat Bev is right. It's like, oh, what, what's going on? So, um, I think there's not a lot more to say about this one here. So I kind of want to move into some smaller deals. Uh, stop me if you think something's interesting here. Um, and then I'm going to do my LOL deals after this too. So I thought these were some ones that might have some impact on the postseason, And that's why I'm going to highlight them. Uh, Celtics Thunders, Celtics got Mike Muscala plus minus God and uh, the Thunder got Justin Jackson in uh, 23 and 29 second round pick. Uh, just some nice uh, depth for Time Lord and Al Horford considering age and injury history. Um, yeah. We, yeah. He was good against the Bucks the other night too, actually, uh, when they just played. So Barker, he could be paying dividends. Um, you, only need, you only need a few useful minutes from Muscala because that team is already so good. So I think that's I think that's a win trade for you know small scale, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. These are like smaller deals that we're kind of going through here. So uh, that gets us to Clippers Nugs. The Clippers got Bones Highland, and the Nuggets uh, got a twenty four and twenty five second round pick. Uh, the thing that's kind of crazy about it is that. Bones was a rookie last year, and they basically just dumped their first-round pick for two second-round picks, but uh, chemistry-wise, it was not working. He wanted more of the ball, and it's like, you play with Jokic, man, and Murray. It's like, we're, we're here 50-point games the postseason, Bones, uh, so I can see why they got rid of him. More he's going to get the ball on the Clippers, honestly. That team is already so good. Like You, gotta, you know, right? 
pick up the scraps on a team that good, right? I know, very strange. Maybe this will be like a wake-up call for him to be like, oh, I kind of blew it a little bit here. He was like, come on, you're playing with Jokic. He's like the second best player in the league right now. One of the probably the best pass player of all time. Like, come on. Did it honestly though, because their defense is really good, and so and Highland is a good offensive player, but you know maybe not the best defensive player. But like, that's a team that can hide that weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's actually a in that sense he's a better fit on the Clippers than he was on Denver. But I still the whole like, dude, you better be ready to not get the ball that much because <laughs> exactly. team already has a lot of guys that want the ball. Yeah. So. Yeah, could could be an interesting one, as as you kind of said. He could be a guy who comes in and, and he could influence a postseason game or two. Just gets really hot, puts up like fifteen off the bench, and wins a couple of games. Um, but thinking of kind of shooting a little bit here again. Well, I guess we're sticking with the Clippers here. As I, this is why I picked here. Uh, Clippers, Grizzlies, Rockets. The Clippers got Eric Gordon, uh, 2nd rounders, and a twenty seventh second rounder. The Grizzlies got Luke Kennard. And the Rockets got Danny Green, their old friend John Wall, and a 2023 swap. Uh, basically, the only thing to talk about here is, at least in my opinion, is that the Grizzlies are terrible at three-point shooting. They're the seventh worst in the league at 34.5%. Uh, and Luke Kennard can shoot the ball. I don't know. They just don't want freaking Dylan Brooks shooting threes, I guess, anymore. But could be a useful player for them. I'm not quite sure, though. This one was the big head scratcher for me from the Clippers because, again, the Highland showing up and waving Jackson and then you know, Plumley coming in, if we'll talk about that one. Th- those all make sense, but Kennard, yeah, he's like a 44% three-point shooter. Again, a defensive minus out there, but he- he's played playoff minutes for them, good playoff minutes each of the last couple seasons. It's It's just weird that they would be giving him up basically to – bring back the corpse of Aaron Gordon, Eric Gordon um, <laughs> again. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. It's a good move for Memphis. Like you're saying, like they needed another guy that can just sit out on the wing and take shots. And that's what he's going to give them. Yeah. And it's, it is weird because Gordon, I mean, assuming that he can bring it at all still is just makes it so the Clippers can have like 10 guys that are all the same size that switch everything. Like yeah. I, it's more of the same, right? Like you're not, like, you're not really bringing anything unique by bringing Eric Gordon back to your team. Yeah. A bit of a strange one. As Sheldon mentioned, the one that I thought was better for them was when they acquired. Well, actually I actually, I had not talked about this, but I think we should probably do it now, um, which was Clippers Hornets. The Clippers got Mason Plumley. And they gave up Reggie Jackson and a 2028 second round pick. And the reason to bring this one up, I guess, now is because Reggie Jackson got bought out and signed with the Nuggets. And it's like, maybe they wouldn't have done that if they knew Reggie Jackson was going to go to a direct rival. I like Plumlee as a good backup center for Zubats, who's been looking a little uh, fatigued. But I don't know anymore now. That might come back to bite them. Yeah, it's so funny with Reggie, Reggie Jackson, that game in Dallas that I mentioned uh, that we watched, he was obviously in, you know playing for the Clippers still because his pre-trade deadline. And that was when I got to explain to uh, to Mrs. Bjorn what a what a microwave player is. I'm like, oh, yeah. here's a microwave six man. She's like, why did she just started laughing? She's like, why don't they call it microwave? I'm like, well, you know, they bring them in off the bench for like five minutes. They heat up, and you can keep them in. Otherwise, you just put them back on the bench. And she's like, oh, that's the best name. So now now she loves microwave six men. That's like one of her favorite 
uh, archetypes. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's yeah, that could absolutely come back to bring them in the playoffs. That would be really funny. Plumley's great depth for them, though. Uh, so I guess worth it if you're rolling the dice on bones to say that that's not that big of a downgrade, more of a side grade from Jackson to to bones, and then just upgrade the backup center position like that. So yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but in, do in you the, think in, in the macro uh, side green? Do you think though that uh, I can't believe we're talking so much about Reggie Jackson and Bones here, but I, I have to ask: Do you think Reggie Jackson is better than Bones right now? Though I think he is. That's it's yeah, it's tough to say. Probably. I mean, I, I still have all the memories of Jackson in the playoffs after Leonard went down, and then after George went down. <laughs> you know, kind of just carrying that Clippers team, um, which it's tough to shake that, even though he hasn't you know, been that position recently is not going to be asked to be doing that in Denver either. But yeah, I think Jackson's probably a better player. But yeah. So this is, I hate these vacuum questions though. Cause like, I agree he's a better player, but like on Denver, he's not going to have the ball to be for that. Yes. For the way that he's better to matter. That's fair. That's fair. I could see that. I, I guess my thing is like, if you're trying to win a title, both teams want to win a title this year. Would you rather not have Reggie Jackson over Bones? That's why. I, that's well, I, I, why totally, I, think it's I totally get it for Denver. I, I think Jackson, as a play, as a proven playoff player, that is probably going to be chemistry wise like more able to fit in. Whereas Bones was up and coming and trying to kind of get his own, which is a bad fit on that team. Like I, th- mm-hmm. I, I think it's honestly one of those win-win trades. Like I think Bones makes more sense on Clippers. Reggie Jackson makes more sense on Denver. Yeah. It, I can see in the big picture where these trades actually make sense. And and, and also getting uh, Plumlee as the backup center, which you, you don't want to be like, oh, we have this amazing team of wings, but because of the you know lack of a good backup center, we're going to get bumped out of the playoffs. Like, that's just not, that's not okay. Right, yeah. Zubats was their only big man, and that was, everybody knew that was their big weakness. So Plumlee, he can give you some minutes in the postseason. So I think that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a the reason why it's so interesting, the, the Reggie Jackson thing is such an interesting one, because it is a trade-off, is like, we might have lost, we, we might have weakened ourselves at the one spot, but we strengthened ourselves at the other, so it's, it's kind of like this weird, that team like, give-take. All about the health, like, PG and Kawhi, they've played together, what, like, 20 games all season, maybe? Mm-hmm. And when they do, they're freaking amazing. And they're going to be scary in the playoffs if those guys are healthy, right? It's so funny that the number of teams that, you know, we bring this up, like the Phoenix is in the same boat. Like on paper, Phoenix is amazing. On paper, the Clippers are amazing, but they got to get to the playoffs healthy. Yeah. Um, And then I guess the last one I had for honorable mention to talk about, just because it kicked us off here, was uh, Lakers-Wizards. Lakers got Rui. The Wizards got none. 23, 28, 29 second round picks. Uh, essentially, all I have to say is, I guess if you guys, if people don't know, the Lakers, uh, the owners, the buses, they don't have like another business where they make money. Like they're not like real estate moguls or um, investment firm or mortgage people like, like you know, like Ishbia is now. Uh, they make all their money from the Lakers. So like having Rui and being able to sell some <laughs> ads and billboards in Japan, I guess that's maybe that's a good idea for them. Uh, Yep. And again, just good front court depth. He's not amazing, but he's better than what they were 
given minutes to before he was there. So that's true. Yep. He's totally, he's a, out, totally serviceable. Good three point shooter for a yep. big. So yeah, it's it, totally. Okay. It's like one of those marginal improvements, right? Like what they got out of the, the Westbrook trade where it's like, yeah, it's, it's a plus, but it's a bunch of pluses when they massively tanked their team. Right. So it's like, you're getting back mm-hmm. to slightly above average, which in the West means if you're lucky, you're a first round exit. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, I guess the other thing, too, is they could choose to not resign him to open up cap space, too. That's another interesting thing about that deal is... Relevant when you have LeBron, right? It's another one of those like, right. people will go to play with, with, with LeBron. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I want to move to my quick LOL ones just so we can have some laughs here. And it's back to the, back to the Lakers still. The Lakers getting Mo Bamba, who was suspended from his fight, but they gave up uh, <laughs> the player we've all hated on already here, Pat Bev. Uh, to the magic, and all I have to say is, well, we kind of talked about the Bev stuff is pretty funny because he was like, uh, couldn't wait to reunite, and then yeah, it uh, with D'Lo and <laughs> in, in the Lakers, and that didn't happen. He even tweeted out that was funny, and that happened to him uh, last off season too. You know, yep. Uh, so yeah, it is just funny this happened to him two years in a row now. Still think yeah. the next three years are his, two years are his, so. He is, he is not nearly the player that he thinks he is. Yeah, definitely not. So, um, oh, still, okay, my other LOL one's still a Lakers one here. I have Nuggets, Lakers, we talked about it, Thomas Bryant uh, to the Nuggets. Lakers got Devon Reed and a handful of second-round picks, and mostly just because it was hilarious that Thomas Bryant got traded almost immediately after that picture comes out where he wants the ball <laughs> and on LeBron's record uh, shot where he, tied the, where he broke the record, and you can see Thomas Bryant asking for the ball. So very uh, funny uh, that he got traded almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's really... The Bryant and Bomba ones are kind of funny to me because if you just look at the fan bases that lost those guys versus the fan bases that received them, the the difference in opinion of the players is very funny. Like the nuggets are like, Oh, we got a backup center. Like Bryant is going to, you know, save our Jokic bench minutes. And the Lakers are all fans are all like, dude, he sucks. He's so bad at defense. Like good luck. Have him. And then the exact same thing is happening on the magic side where Lakers are like, Oh, we got Mo Bamba. That's great. And the magic are like, yeah, he doesn't play on our team at all. Cause he sucks. <laughs> uh, so the, the, it's both like a, new teams hoping the grass is greener sort of situation mm-hmm. and both yeah. the teams that these guys are leaving being like, eh, we don't care that he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Very funny. It's, it, n- nothing leads to contempt, like seeing a player play in every one of your team's games and going, Oh my gosh, this guy. Yep. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, uh yeah, uh, that was, yeah. The Bucks got rid of some of those guys for me. Um, and then the other one, I, well, I don't know why this is an LOL. I guess this is more of an interesting one, which is um, the Raptors trading Jakob Pertl to the, uh, or acquiring Jakob Pertl, sorry, um, a team he used to be on, and the Spurs getting Kem Birch, um, a protected 24 first round and two second round picks, mostly because like we spent all this time hearing p- people talking about, uh, who are the Raptors going to trade? Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., all these players available. And then uh, what did they do? They added Jakob Pertl. They did not trade anybody away. So we spent all that time being like thinking about all the players they were going to move. And then they didn't. Although I, I did hear uh, there's that, uh, I think Windhorse and Shelburne wrote about the uh, 
um, KD trade, and I guess that someone in that report they said someone did offer three first round picks for OG. They just didn't pull the trigger on it. So um, it gives you it gives you a sense of like how much bigger this um, trade deadline was than I thought it was going to be. Is I honestly thought like Ananobi would be the big trade of this, you know, this deadline and. Like Raptors actually, other than bringing Pirtle back, did nothing, and then the trades ended up being way bigger. So, yes, yeah, they were talking about an arms race between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies for OG, and then neither team really did anything. I mean, and then, uh, if either of those teams had gotten him, that would have been a big get, right? Yeah, I bet the Grizzlies have buyers remorse now. They should have done it. it, it they had no clue so close to deadline that KD was going to end up on the Suns, but now it's like they need even more from Dylan Brooks, which is like, that's not what you want. <laughs> so it's like they need yeah. they have a title window now and they probably wish they had OG for some picks. Yeah, it's funny how I remember the last episode we recorded we we made our uh, or at least in my case I, I gave my at the moment takes on who I thought was going to win and I, I, I liked the Grizzlies then and looking at it the West now, I'm not uh, I'm not so hot on them anymore. <laughs> yeah, they've had a rough time without Adams. But yeah, oh, they really, really miss him. But also, like the other, there's just other teams around them that have gotten healthy and gotten better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they also have the hidden potential weakness of uh, Jenkins, who is a Bud acolyte, and sometimes the Bud acolytes they do not like to make adjustments. Uh, which can be a bit of an issue because that was something that uh, Quinn didn't really do as well in Utah. So, and Jenkins has kind of not done it so far, so far. And of course, uh, we don't need for me to relitigate all the times Bud has not made adjustments. Uh, the podcast would last four hours. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, happy for your sake that he learned because you guys wouldn't have that title if he hadn't learned his lesson on that. True, yeah. See, he finally learned the novel concept of what if I used all the time that I rested Giannis in the regular season to keep him healthy? What if I actually utilized that and played him 40 minutes of the postseason? My God, what a novel idea. Play the best player more minutes. Oh my God, can't believe it took him so long to come up with that one. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, genius level moves. Uh, all right, so I think we've kind of got our trade talk here. Let's quickly. Do I have a few questions about rapid fire about the uh, play in? I want to get a couple predictions here. So I'll, I'll read you this group of teams that I've highlighted here. So we'll go with the, in the East. So far, the Knicks, uh, they are the sixth seed. They're 33 and 27. The Heat then are 32 and 27. Hawks at 29 and 30. The Wizards at 28 and 30. The Raptors at 28 and 31 as the last team making the play in tournament. Uh, on the outside looking in are the Bulls at 26 and 33, the Pacers at 26 and 34, and the Magic at 30, or sorry, at 24 and 35. Uh, and then here we go. Big old crazy West time here. Uh, so I'm giving you lots of time to look up the standings here because it's going to take forever. Uh, so I did the cutoff with the Clippers uh, just because they had three more losses than the um, Kings, even though they were only one game back. So 
The Clippers are currently in at 33 and 28. Then you have the Suns at 32 and 28. And the Mavs are the last top six team at uh, 31 and 29. In the plan, we have the Pels at 30 and 29, the Wolves at 31 and 30, the Warriors at 29 and 29, the and the Thunder at 28 and 29. So they are one, one game back in the lost column of the Clippers. Uh, and then on the outside looking in, we have the Jazz at 29 and 31, the Blazers at 28 and 30, and the Lakers at 27 and 32. Uh, meaning that they're only three games in the lost column back of the Mavs. Uh, so that's pretty crazy as far as the West is so compact. Uh, we were originally going to just talk basically about how freaking crazy that is until the big trades. So I want to know, um, I guess the East is maybe less interesting here as compared to the West, but who is going to make the top six? So I guess for the East. Let's go first here. Do we all think that the Heat are going to get the sixth seed? Mm. Yeah, or we're the five. Um, I think you, you didn't mention them there, but if I had to guess, I would say the Nets would fall out of the playoff spot into the play-in, and the Heat would get Ooh. to move up into that spot, probably. Okay, I, I didn't think they would, so I cut them out, but... So, but yeah, so I, w- I would say that probably the Knicks and the Heat probably in the five and six spot, then the Nets down at seven because they just got such a big lead on everybody else. Yeah, but Camp Thomas, what if they actually play him? <laughs> yeah, you never <laughs> Not know. Not Camp Thomas. Yeah. They're only a game up on the, the Knicks and, or well, I guess two because of the loss column. But I just, I don't, I don't think that they're going to hold there personally. Okay, that's fair. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think the Nets will make the play in, but I do think they're going to drop. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be fun to watch them be the scrappy underdog. But yeah, I think the, the Knicks are playing really well right now and um, making the Mavs seriously rue letting Brunson go. And the Heat, the Heat have been really weird this year, but I, I think yeah. six is probably six or seven is probably about right for the Heat. Um, I think that's pretty, pretty reasonable. It's tough to tough to do see. Not see. Either the Knicks or the Heat as a true contender, though. To me, like the East is so clearly there's three three teams, four if you want to argue the Cavs, but really there's three teams, and then everything else is below, like below that tier. Yep, definitely. All right, let's get to the big bad boy, the West tier. <laughs> uh, who's making the top six here? Uh, uh, is it the the three teams that are currently in it now, Clippers, Suns, Mavs. Oh, we could see the Warriors jump in. What do we think? Dice and start rolling them. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I just, I just don't think the Warriors are going to be healthy enough to be able to make a push to get into a top six spot. I think I think that they're just going to kind of tread water. I, if I had to bet on it, I would say that the six teams that are in the top six right now would be the top six at the end of the season. With then like the Lakers, Warriors, Wolves. Well, we'll, we'll get that in a second here. Okay, we'll get that in a second here. So, so, but yeah, I would say I don't, I don't think I see any of the teams outside of it playing into it. Maybe the Wolves could jump the the Mavs if the Kyrie experiment doesn't go super well here at the beginning. Oh, that's interesting. 
but that'd be the only one that I could think could jump in to the West. Yeah, I need to look at our remaining schedule. You could be right there. It's it really depends on matchups because there are going to be yeah. some teams you blow the doors off of, and it doesn't matter that our defense sucks. And there's going to be other teams that absolutely annihilate us. So it really depends yeah. on the remaining schedule. And all these teams have at least one or two games against each other still, and you know all those tiebreakers yeah. and that sort of it's, thing. Going it's too. such a bloodbath with it being that close. Like when you go all the way down to Portland and you see Portland is one game back in the loss column from the Mavs, who are in sixth, and Portland is in ninth, twelfth. Twelve, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four and a half games separate third place from twelfth place. So, like, anything could happen in the West. And we didn't even really talk about the Pelicans. Like, they're to me, they're another wild card. Where like, it depends on health, right? Like, they they could be amazing or they could be nothing. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the most recent Zion injury cools me on them. Unfortunately, I think. Yeah, it's really sad to see. Electric players not able to play. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, I know. In our preseason preview, I think I said that like healthy Zion, they could be like a Western Conference Finals team, and they without Zion, they're going to be a scrapping for a playing spot here. His play style precludes him having long term, like any kind of longevity as a player. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think I will say Clippers, Suns. And, uh, I th- I guess I'll go with the Warriors. I don't know. Um, that last one I think is I think Clippers Suns. I think we'd all agree is pretty lock on. I think that last spot. I think the Mavs, the Wolves, and the Warriors. I think are probably the three teams that are going to compete for just because mm-hmm. we've kind of said. I think the Pels they look a little cooked. Um. So, all right. Here's here's another uh tricky one here. Who is the team most likely to jump from out of the play-in tournament to into the play-in tournament? So in the East, that would be the Bulls, the Pacers, the Magic. In the West, that would be the Jazz, the Blazers, the Lakers. The Lakers in the West, for sure. Um, you know, the, They're healthy-ish, again. Deadline acquisitions are good. The Jazz... Tanking now, the Thunder, you got to think, will falter. The Blazers uh, are kind of a mess. Like, there's just the teams in front of them, I just don't really trust (laughs) more than I'm really high on the Lakers. Like, the Lakers should be a better than 500 team down the stretch, and that's probably all that they need to be to move themselves up into the play in. Uh, And then in the East, I don't think anybody, but if I had to pick somebody, I guess I would pick the Pacers just because I love Halliburton. And company, yeah. he's amazing. I don't think that they'll get there, but again, the Wizards are bad. Walking guy, yep. <laughs> so, so you never know. They could they could sneak in there for sure. Sure. What do you think, Dan? I'm going to take a contrary in the West. I actually would pick Portland of those teams. Um, I, I like they have the, they have their issues, but the Lakers have their issues too. And I just think Dame is that good that if I'm going to pick a team to make it in, make it into the play, and I don't think they're going to do anything. I don't even see them getting out of the plane, but I could see Portland made it. Um, I like I like Grant and I love Dame and I think the Lakers are a mess. Um, the East. Fair. Yeah, the Bulls are really dysfunctional, so I, I think Pacers is a good pick there. Uh, I love 
all the love for my boy Halliburton. You know, Dan, I realized after we had our Halliburton discussion, I forgot to mention one of the reasons I'm so in the tank for him is because he's a Milwaukee, he's Milwaukee area guy. So it's like, of course I love him. He used to tweet about how much he loved um, Quick Trip, which is like a Seven Eleven regional variant equivalent. So, um, right. and I remember when we got them in my hometown, and people loved him too. So I understand you, Tyrese Halliburton. I feel you. Um, my really good friends here in Austin, who's a huge basketball junkie, he, he's from Indiana, and, and the Pacers are his team. And so we, when we talk hoops, like, and we we have kind of a tradition where we'll go up to Dallas when it's you know the one time a year when the Pacers come to Dallas, and we'll watch that game and we'll root for our respective teams. And yeah, so I actually know a fair bit about the Pacers from talking to him. But yeah, it's they're going to be good. Honestly, I'm I'm glad they resigned Turner. I think that was a smart move. I know everyone was like on that list with Collins of like, oh, they're going to trade him, they're going to trade him. I think re-signing him was smart, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to own the franchise at some point, so they might as well re-sign him. At this... <laughs> he's going to stick around forever at this point. Um... Yeah, him and Halliburton is a solid core. Like, obviously the East is, you know, there's a lot of other really good teams. And, like, like Cleveland, as a young as a young team, is, is where Indiana wants to be, but they still mm-hmm. have to build to get there. But, wait, Halliburton, Halliburton's an amazing uh, franchise cornerstone, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I think I'll agree with Shellen for the Lakers, just because I, I'll, I'll guess I'll say I could see AD having another two weeks where he looks amazing, and then uh, I guess he'll have two more weeks where he looks crappy again. But maybe those two weeks are enough. Uh, maybe they get they win like eight out of ten, um, or something like that. You know, on a run where AD looks amazing. Um, that's you know, not great odds but I'll, I'll i'll guess he did it once this year he could do it again and i think in the east i'll surprise you guys i'll pick uh the magic after i think they started like three and 20 to like 19 and 15 um i don't think they would want to but uh i could see them winning more just because some of their young players continue to develop franz and paolo continue to get better and it's like oh guess what the magic are sneaking up on teams and winning uh because they're gonna tr- those young players are gonna try and uh so it's the addition by subtraction theory around Mo Bamba. Is that is that it? Uh, <laughs> uh, I kind of yeah maybe. Um, Jonathan Isaac Bull Bull. coming back really gonna send him over the edge. <laughs> oh, for another reason, they'll send people over the edge. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> uh, hey, um, one, of the, one of the few guys in the league that makes Kyrie look sane. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Amazing. Um. So the last for my uh, check-in on these teams, uh, remember in the East we're going from the Knicks down to the Magic, and the West we're going down from the Clippers to the Lakers. This is a three-part question, so we'll go through each section at a time, and uh, this will make sense as it works. So out of these teams here, uh, which teams could win around? in the postseason. So they'd have to tra- not plan, they'd actually have to make the one through eight. Which teams do we think could win a playoff round? Um, I'll start here to guys give you some time to think here. In the East, I think the only team is the Heat. Uh, could win a post, could win a round. In the West, I would say the Clippers, the Suns, the Mavs, the Warriors, uh, I believe it or not, the Lakers. I guess I would have to pick them. 
as well as a team that could potentially win a round. Um, so I'm going to say no to the Pelicans. Oh, God, because I don't know about Zion. So I'll say no to the Pelicans, and I'll say no to the Wolves, which are other teams that I think people might pick here. So just we're going for this one, we're just going one round. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it's really a ceiling question, right? Like, I totally yep. understand why both of you guys picked the Lakers to make it in to the to the play-in. Is like, you look at this that team's ceiling with health and everyone clicking quickly, and it's very high. Um, yeah, the West is still a bloodbath, man. There's teams that the Warriors obviously have a high ceiling if they're if they're healthy. We're just looking for for this question. We're just looking for a single round win. We'll get to two and the title in a second here, but which ones do you think could win? Just yeah, Warriors, Lakers, Mavs. I mean, mm-hmm. what was the qualifier on on rank though? You're saying six through. Uh, well, I I just kind of picked uh, for the East. I have Knicks down, and the West I have Clippers down. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, Clippers can definitely win around. The Suns, obviously. I mean, it, this yeah. is what is so deceptive is like KD hasn't played a game yet for the Suns, but it, everyone knows they're going to be ridiculous if they have the full complement of their players. I just, right. I also will take that as a question mark though, because he is currently injured. Mm-hmm. That's why I find it so funny when all the pundits are like, "Oh, they're 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 the they're the favorites to win." It's like, yeah, and yes, we both like I begrudgingly agree with that. But the guy that they traded for is not even currently suited up to play basketball. Like this is all theoretical. Um, yeah, the East is harder, actually, though. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, really I always said the Heat. That was the only one I thought I thought could win. Miami shows up. I guess is my counter question, right? Like, because they could be great, or they could just like right now they look mediocre. Honestly, they, right. they run hot and cold. Where every time they start to get momentum, then they they somehow find a way to get a losing streak again. Yeah, no, tough. My caveat for the East would be that Miami could win a playoff series if they manage to play themselves up to the five seed. And got Cleveland in the first round. Okay, I, I don't yeah. know that they would. I don't know that I would pick them to win that series, but they could. But they're not beating Boston, Milwaukee, or Philadelphia in a seven-game series. So I don't yeah. think any of the teams in the East can. Not mostly because of themselves, but because of the three teams that they're guaranteed to be playing in that first round. They're just not winning those series. Okay, yeah, like the seven and the eight seed are toast for sure. Yeah. The five seed is the only seed in the East that has a chance. I totally agree with that. Those top three are gonna are definitely winning their first round. Okay, yeah, I think that's and then fair. In the West, I'm I'm gonna be a little more pessimistic, and I'm gonna say like the three teams that are currently in there, like the Clippers, Suns, or Mavs, could definitely win a series if you know matchup dependent and health dependent and those sorts of things. Uh, but I think only the Warriors can win a playoff series of the teams that aren't in there like i don't trust the wolves the blazers the lakers to win a playoff series again just again lakers aren't going to they're they're just so far out of it that they're not going to get themselves into a position where they're playing anybody but the one or, or two seed um which is like they're not beating denver in a playoff series and then who knows who the two seed is going to be it could it could be memphis it could be a red hot phoenix suns it could be a hot Clippers team, like who knows? But like the Lakers aren't beating any of those people, I don't think. Sure. So the West, the West standings are too close to to be assuming that we know what the seeding is going to be for playoff. 
Yeah, it's very, it's it's hard. That's why I'm asking these questions. I think they're fun because they're tricky. Uh, so let's move on to the next logical step here. Of these teams that we've talked about in this grouping, in these two groupings, who could win two rounds? So who could get to a, a conference finals? Um, I will say nobody in the East. Yep. And in the West, I will say three teams, the Clippers, the Suns, and the Warriors, I think would be the only ones who could get to a conference finals. Yeah, mm. I would tend to agree. I think, it, again, it's so matchup dependent. Like, the stars could align for Dallas. Like, I, I again, we talked about them as not being a title contender, but there's a non-zero chance that, you know, they could end up going, being the sixth seed and playing the Kings. Yeah. And then if they beat the Kings, they could be playing the two seed who could be the Grizzlies. And is it that far-fetched to think that the Mavericks can beat both the Kings and the Grizzlies in a series? Like, no, I don't think so. Like, I, no. Neither of those teams are juggernauts. Like, they could avoid no. the bloodbath just by being on the right side of the bracket. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, that is a very rosy scenario. There's no way they make it out of the West with their current team. No, but yeah. So, so I think any of the teams that I say could win a first round could win a second round, also. So the the Clippers, okay. the Suns, the Mavs, the Warriors, they all could win a second round game. It, it's going to be matchup dependent. It's going to be who comes into seeding. Like, I don't think any of those teams are beating two very good teams to get there. But if they get if they get the Kings or the Grizzlies in one of those matchups, I think they've got a fighting chance. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think the West is more like matchup uh, specific, whereas the East, like Boston, Milwaukee, it does not matter who they're playing. Nope. They're going to stop whoever they play in the first round. And honestly, I don't know. It's, I really think the East is going to come down to Boston versus my uh, Boston versus uh, Milwaukee and Philly. I don't know. I just don't trust Harden in the playoffs. But yeah, you're welcome to the club. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, we're joining James at the club. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Rain. Yeah. So uh, I guess, and then the last question here for this one is: out of the teams in this list. Are there any you think could win the title? Any that are good enough to win a title? Um, I guess for me, uh, I guess I'll say the same teams from the West. I guess I hate to say, I hate to do it, but I guess I could say I have to say the Clippers looked great, and Kawhi's play it's so great again. I guess I got to say the Clippers, Suns. We've talked about the KD factor, and I'll still say the Warriors just because um, I got to see them knocked out before I stop believing in them. Right. Yeah, they're not the same team this year that they were last year. Yeah, they, but it's still... Not. It's, I, I would say that the odds of them having a first-round exit are higher than the odds of them making it to the finals, for sure. Yeah. But I'm with Hardly here. I just, especially as the homer in me, like, a seven-game series, you have to beat Steph Curry four times. Like, good luck. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to they're gonna beat you in your house at least once. Um, I want you guys and... healthy for that exact reason. Like I like I want you guys to be a threat in the playoffs. It's, it's better when the playoffs has more parity, right? I just yeah, my skepticism is purely around health. Yep, for sure. I get it. I totally agree. I I was reluctant to put him in there, but it's it's really just a thing where it's like 
man, when their five man lineup has been out this year, that's been really has been out there has been really good. And we're talking if we're talking about postseason and who I trust in the postseason, like okay, do I trust them more than the Nuggets? Yes. Do I trust them more than the Grizzlies? Yes. Do I trust them more than the Kings? Yes. Do I trust them more than the Clippers? Yes. Do I trust them more than the Suns? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Do I trust them more maybe. than the Mavs? Yes. It's like, that's the problem, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, I like, so I will, I will take Shellum's matchup dependent and I will, I will layer on top of that matchup in health, right? Because take, take the current Suns team that has been looking honestly pretty mediocre right now. And let's say that KD is banged up come second rounds in the, the second round in the playoffs, right? Do I take a fully healthy Warriors team over over a Suns team where KD looks banged up? Yeah, I probably would because that like that team suddenly you start to you look at this overwhelming uh, consensus favorite Suns team and you realize like oh they're actually kind of thin, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. we talked about yeah. A little bit of lack of depth. The West is just going to be so dependent on health come the end of the season, like you're saying. Yeah. Like it, it's all going to come down to who's healthy and what seed they've got for matchups. It's going to be fun. We're going to have eight teams that are very good in the Western Conference, I think, come yeah. playoff time, which is going to be really fun. Because, like you said, I think the, the East has a potential to just be a, a coronation sort of, like let's, like, let's just get seven yeah. games again of Boston versus Milwaukee like we got last that's, year. That's what I want to see in the East, yep. honestly. That's going to be an amazing series. I or I shouldn't say it like it's a four-round conclusion. I really want it to happen again, and if it does, it, I'm going to be super excited to watch that. Agreed. Uh, here's a question that, that I uh, did not have on the list. Would a Boston-Milwaukee series be a de facto finals? Like, the team that wins that wins the mm-hmm. title? Maybe the team that wins that's going to be the favorite in the finals. Yeah, but I think sure. especially with the trade deadline things, like it's tough for me to guarantee it because like if Phoenix is healthy, like no, that's not a guaranteed win. And the Warriors are yeah. worse than they were last year, but they beat the Celtics last year. It, it, like I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, the, yeah the Celtics have gotten better than they were last year. Is yes. is part of my concern and. If Phoenix is healthy and firing on all cylinders and they gel really quickly, they absolutely could be the favorite in the finals. But that, to me, is a pretty big if, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a revisit it uh, when the playoffs start question. It's hard to tell without having seen some of these teams play much. Yeah. I think once yeah. we see them, I think we can answer that. Not, like, I, I think the momentum thing matters, too. Like, if, if you r- run, you know, like are on a crazy win streak, you know, streak going into the playoffs, especially in the West, where it's such a bloodbath, like that's going to give you confidence that I think does matter. Yes, I would. I would have to. I'd have to think so. Um, it's going to be tough. The West is going to be be very. It, it's funny because I think before this deadline, it was like we all thought the East would be really tough in a bloodbath. And I think now three teams have really separated themselves and probably two even more so. And then uh, the West, we kind of, it kind of really looked like it was the Nuggets to win or to lose, I guess I would say. And uh, it's now gotten much tighter because I, especially with the Clippers now, regardless of the moves they made, the fact that Kawhi looks 
healthy and is playing really well, I think completely changes. Yeah, um, the, the Clippers are absolutely the uh, the nets of the West, right? Where like on paper that team is ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean we we've talked about the Clippers were my probably finals pick each of the last two seasons prior to like all the injury stuff happening. You know what I mean? Like when they're healthy. Kawhi right, and Paul George are than... so good <laughs> and work together so well. Like it's just, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, more I, than... I, I want them to have one healthy playoff run together. Yeah. For, I mean, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a bummer about new Orleans. I really liked them for, you know, half of the season and then it just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've had a good, chat here uh do we want to wrap up or do we want to do my one last uh question i don't know it's, a, it's not technically a hypothetical question that's sort of it is but um or do we want to save that for another one another time depends on how you guys are feeling about time here oh uh, no that's fine I, I got time for one more question yeah hit us with it yeah. all right so I've brought this up to you previously, Shellen, and so this is a um, state of the league uh, history question, I guess you could say. Uh, is the 2021 Eastern Conference semifinals, uh, which was <laughs> Nets-Bucks, the most impactful playoff series of the past 10 years? Um, I think the other option, you could pick something else, but I, uh, so this is going back to 20. Uh, or 2013. Uh, so that's still Heedle's era, I guess. I think your other option might be the 2016 finals would be your choice. Uh, that's where LeBron won with the Cavs. Um, so I'll kind of lay out why I was curious about what you guys thought about this question. So if this Eastern Conference semifinals where the Bucks defeat the Nets, uh, the ripple effects are, of course, the Bucks and Giannis win a title. Um, cements Giannis's legacy. It also is uh, probably the series that, in hindsight, caused the downfall of the Nets super team. By uh, if they win that, they potentially go to the probably go to the finals. Uh, I know KD has said Hawks have been hard for them, but whatever. Uh, it also affects the Sixers because if they go to a finals, I bet James Harden probably does not request a trade because like, well, we went to the finals last year, uh, affects the Suns because well, the Suns lost that finals, but now they have acquired KD who left the nets after the super team blew up the Mavs because again, Kyrie has now left the nets. And then we also have, uh, two teams, the Hawks and the Wolves, who I think were slightly affected because they tried to make that drew holiday esque last piece trade, which was not worked out for either team. Uh, and then also the Blazers, because Dame was a lot of times talking about potential. There was a lot of talk about him leaving, and then he decided to stay, which I think might have something to do with that. That's conjecture. I don't know for sure. Uh, and as far as the 2016 finals go, you have, of course, LeBron and Cleveland and adding to his, that's his greatest title, uh, defeated the 73-win Warriors. Um, you know, Kyrie, that's really like the feather in his cap, his great uh game there with LeBron when they had the amazing game the Thunder obviously broke up because of that because of KD went to the Warriors and it kind of I guess it kind of the, set us up into this new super era team again so 
what do you guys think here? Is the 2021 Eastern Conference semifinals the most impactful playoff series of the past 10 years? Probably. Yeah, I got to go with yeah. Because again, I think, like you said, with the 2016 finals, it's probably the only other one that, that really is up there. I suppose your other option could potentially have been the, what, 2017 Western Conference Finals, where Chris Paul got hurt in Game 6. Oh, And the Rockets yeah, uh, lost Game 6 and Game 7 to the Warriors there. Um, or, no, mm. sorry, that would have been 2018, not 2017, 2018 Western Conference Finals. Um would be your other option because you know that would have been Harden getting a ring probably because that Cavs team was not very good after Irving left. Like they would have gotten smoked by Houston also. So that's CP3 getting his ring. That's Harden getting his ring. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the Warriors failing with the super team. Uh, so there's a lot of what ifs there as well. Over 27 from three point range for the Rockets in Game Seven <laughs> uh, stretch there. So I it's it's tough, but I think. The 2016 finals is mostly a LeBron legacy question. Like maybe Durant doesn't sign with the Warriors if they're back-to-back champions because he's not taking the hardest road at that point. Maybe he sticks around in OKC or goes somewhere else and that has a ripple effect. But 2016 finals is basically just LeBron's legacy. Like he gets a title over the best regular season team of all time instead of being 0-4 against Steph Curry in the finals, uh, which would have been, you know, uh, that would have been the nail in his great, greatest player of all time coffin if he was over four i think even one for three is tough but uh yeah it's got to be the the bucks nets there's so many ripple effects from that one Giannis is Giannis as we all think of him because we watched him you know a 50 point closeout game in the nba finals and come back with you know 40 point triple doubles with a hyper extended knee if we didn't get to see Giannis like that and he was still just a two-time mvp who has never made it to the finals we think of him a lot differently for, for his legacy too. And the nets maybe don't break up. So yeah, it, it's, there's some good ones out there, but I think it is the nets and bucks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, it's tough to say, cause we haven't seen all of the fallout yet of some of these teams, but. Um, the rockets one was a good, was a good, Good call out. There, there's a that few I'll go further back, but I it's we're in this era of these super teams where like it's 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 uh make it or you know make it or break it essentially. Like the amount of pressure you put on yourselves. I mean, god, how many people after the Nets uh that first iteration of the roster was put together said, Oh, this team's gonna win you know the next three titles or whatever, and it's like Obviously, the we're in you know the internet and the pundit you know it's all about hyperbole. But even even so, everyone thought they were like the consensus far and away best team, and then they played what like twenty games together or something. Like, I think was it? Uh, oh, we never did our more training. They played sixteen games together, and they have one playoff series go. win. There we go, sixteen games together. So much for a consensus best play best team in the NBA. <laughs> Yeah, it's just crazy. Like in this, you know, as we're talking like super team player empowerment and movement era, windows open and shut so quickly for teams too. Like we look at Denver, who has been a very, very good basketball team for a couple of years. You know, you lose Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to an injury. 
after a great season, you know, Western Conference Finals run, and they're out, and then, you know, you Jokic drags their, the rest of the team to a sixth seed and first-round exit. And then you think this is your year. Like, everybody's healthy again. Jokic is playing at his prime. The West looks great. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Durant is in your conference again. Um, and, like, it, it's just crazy how quick things can go from, you know, we have a two- or three-year window here to one injury and then one superstar being disgruntled and getting moved somewhere else, and all of a sudden your window's over, um, which, is, which is crazy to think about. Like, not that I think the Nuggets' window's over. They're still very good, but it it's tight. It's a tight window here. Yeah, yeah I mean, as far as the, the Nuggets go, I mean, a big chance that they had, too, was uh, 2021, because if Jamal Murray doesn't tear his yep. ACL really late in the season in a totally meaningless moment of that game against the Warriors, I think... Uh, they were looking really good. They looked like they could have went to the finals. And instead, it kind of set up back a little bit. Like, I don't know I don't know how far I would say it set them back. But, um, and it cost now, them two years said, of contention in Jokic's point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. And now they're staring down the barrel of they looked as if they could be the West favorite pretty clearly, I thought. And now... Uh, you know, the return of Kawhi, as we said, and the arrival of KD. And even as volatile as it is, the arrival of Kyrie to the Mavs, uh, it's like things have changed a lot. Um, yeah, we've got to laugh at the Nets here, do our total moratorium on them here. So I want to end on that note, I guess. Let's, <laughs> let's just rip on the Nets and their total failed experiment here. Uh, of a super team what a disaster as as dan said 16 games and as i i mentioned one series win they got swept by the celtics last year uh what a train wreck what a disaster guys yeah it turns out constructing a super team is harder than it looks also don't have crazy people on your team oh no he's on my team now crap (laughs) uh yeah it really just was the that mix of like Kyrie is really the one to I think really I think fairly blame because uh I mean we discussed just now the what if of of course Harden got injured and Kyrie got injured uh and so they lost that series against the Bucks if they don't those guys don't get injured I mean they pasted the uh Celtics, right? I think in the first round, was it? Mm-hmm. Um and they looked amazing and then everything just crumbled around them and it was just uh, a total disaster. The vaccine thing and Kyrie playing only part of the games and clearly that's uh, <laughs> hard has kind of indicated to us in some interviews recently that was uh a thing that he did not enjoy. Uh he also gave that press conference like I said where he said I'll give him the shot myself and um, my God, I, what a just! Yeah. I think Harden, the Harden bit, sums up my my feelings on the Nets here quite a bit. His his quote from last week after the trade deadline was, "I don't look like the crazy one. I don't look yeah. like the guy or the quitter <laughs> yeah. or whatever the media wanted to call me. I knew what yeah. was going on, and I just decided, hey, I'm not built for this. I don't want to deal with that. I want to play basketball and have fun. And like that's so real, like." <laughs> 
we we clown on Harden a lot. You know, he did it. You know, all like the, the strip clubs and COVID during COVID and gaining weight to get <laughs> off the Rockets and like was a bit petulant at the end of his getting out of Houston stint, which okay. fair or foul, like the rest <laughs> of the team was bad around him. Like it's tough to fault him too much, but the way he went about it wasn't good. Uh, and he looks he he comes out of this whole net saga is about the only one that I think looks good like he showed up he played as hard as he could he played amazing he tried to play through injuries and he was just so fed up of the behind the scenes drama he was like get me out of here like <laughs> and you know uh, so it's funny that that James Harden comes out of the situation looking like about the only adult in the room uh out of that one yeah no, it is weird for it to be a redemption of him, but I, I agree. It's uh, this. My my last thought on this is that it actually ties into um, Brad's earlier question. Is I realize now that you could argue in a way that the dissolution of the Thunder is really what led to all this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because that core of Durant, Harden, and Westbrook was amazing and they never won together. And then all like all this other crazy stuff that we're talking about is either one or two. All those three people. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it's all, it's all just thunder drama, like rippling throughout the league over and like, and echoing back even like there's like thunder drama reverb now at this point. Right. Cause you look at the different iterations of those players, like, and, and uh, you know, you hear discussion of Westbrook getting bought out and going somewhere. And I think it would be, hilarious if he ended up on the suns right oh yeah because you just have to like recombine all those core and like uh abaka is probably going to get bought out by the pacers for that matter i don't think he's going to actually suit up for them so like you could absolutely like reconstitute the thunder (laughs) in different configurations oh that'd be amazing so what we're actually saying then is the real ripple here is if the Sonics hadn't been moved out of Seattle into the single smallest media market in the NBA. Ah, they would have paid James Harden to stick around. Yes. And the Sonics would have and like four peated. That yeah, that team, if it had been put together, <laughs> would have been ridiculous. Yeah. I, I think that probably is the biggest what if in NBA history. That did quite not make the cut. That was from twenty twelve. And I said so I kind of cheated and I said ten, it was twenty thirteen. So yeah, my, uh, my- bringing it up no but i mean you're right though because that is pro- that was uh, the, <laughs> the that is probably the greatest unknown um because do those players become the players that they have we know them as if they stay on that team because that means we get no james ball um you know we probably don't have the russell westbrook triple double mvp obviously and he was competing against james harden for that mvp uh you know it's like um, but and I guess the thing that I'm in, yeah, it's obviously a counterfactual. It's impossible to know one way or the other. But like, I actually think that the constrained versions of those guys are better versions of them than the Westbrook Ball and James Ball, right? Yeah, less stat sheet stuffing, but probably better for team success. Yep. Right, because even at the time then, it was obvious that Kevin Durant was the best player, so the other two players would have had to have. I mean, they would have had to figure it out, but it would have been clear still, though, who was the best player on that roster. So I think you wouldn't have had the, you know, like remember when LeBron joined up with the Heat and it was like he and Dwayne Wade were actually still pretty close in terms of how good they were. And it was like they had to have that 
um, struggle between who was going to be the best player on the team when they both were still good enough to be the best player of the team. I think organically it was obvious on the Thunder. It was Kevin Durant. Um, I mean, Hard was a sixth man at the time. So, yeah, what a crazy thing. Um, and then here we are all these years later watching the ripple effects of... Yeah, I, I agree that is, like I said, that's probably the biggest one is if... if, And really, they only had to pay like one more year of luxury tax or one year of luxury tax. They could have just rolled it out one more year and then done, I think, a sign-in trade with Harden yeah, if they Thunder wanted. Or a poverty franchise. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, based on the type of <laughs> rosters they've been fielding for the past, I don't know, God knows, I feel like 15 years, uh, they've, they've been taking, it feels like, I don't say been like three, but <laughs> uh, I would have to agree with that. So, um... I guess the last thing that I will say about the Nets, uh, since this is kind of where we started this last thing, is um, I've said it a million times, a disaster. Uh, I still think uh, it's hard to fault them for doing it, though, because you got Kevin Durant. I know the mistake I think that they made was when they got James Harden. At that point, they should have tried to move Kyrie Irving. Yes. At some point. uh, Because... yes. Uh, we could talk about the the dynamics between the players, but also once you acquire the three there, and it was true, and this is why they lost to the Bucks. They did not have a lot of depth, and if you trade Kyrie, you can re, as we've talked a lot about on all of our podcasts here, getting role players. They could have gotten more pieces to solidify around Harden and Durant, who, like, those guys wanted to play together so badly. They had played together previously. They were uh big friends on the thunder teams that we just discussed so i think if they look back and have a regret um other than of course you know getting injured in that series there's nothing they can do about that um injuries happen i think a decision that they could have made that they will regret is not attempting to move kyrie irving once they acquired james harden so um but they didn't do it and we watched, as Zach Lowe said, the greatest theoretical basketball team on paper. Only ever be that. They accomplished nothing. Even those, I mean, <laughs> there are teams that we have thought about as poor over the years, accomplished more than that Nets team. The Hawks made an Eastern Conference Finals. Those Blazers teams made a Western Conference Finals. The LeBronto Raptors made Eastern Conference Finals. Uh and the Nets couldn't even make one. So a disaster, but I think one that we can understand why they did. So I have nothing further to add for this podcast. Do you guys have anything you want to add? No, just that no. I'm very excited to watch the, the stretch, especially down in the West. See how these teams, that they're starting to get healthy play. It should be a lot of fun. The standings are so close that... You know, we talk about a lot about load managing and stuff like you, you can't, I, you know, when you get to the nitty gritty point like this, like you, you, every win's going to matter for standings and for, did you make the top six or are you a play in team? So it should be a lot of fun on the back half of the regular season. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. And uh, the helm of best theoretical team has has moved to Phoenix. It's funny that it follows KD around at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I, no, I really can't wait to watch a Phoenix game that he's playing in. I, I, I'm curious to see how they look. Yeah, it could be fun. It could... We could be looking at another net situation where it could not work and they could... I mean, cool. I, again, as we've said... I don't think they will regret the decision of acquiring KD. He's one of the 10 best players of all time, so of course he would do it. But if they don't walk away with a finals uh, win in the next year or two, I think that they will go down just like the Nets as a team that never got it done. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, I guess, Dan, before we head out, why don't you tell people where they can find you in case they have gotten to the end of this podcast and don't know where to find any of your work? Oh, I'm. I guess I am online. Um, yeah, so Hall of Bayorn at WordPress.com is, I guess I have a blog. Um, and then um, <laughs> search engine Hall of, Hall of Bayorn.com. Not at all related to basketball, neither of these things. But um, yeah, thanks for, for letting me uh, do an ad for my stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. soon to be a member of the front office of the Dallas Mavericks as well. I, oh, I, heard, so. I can only hope, man. That would, be so, <laughs> that would be so much fun. Yeah, Mavs fans can only hope that Dan somehow gets in there and uh, can have some influence on a very interesting front office. So such a we nice will... Piece. Yes, yes. I'll try to be nice at the end here. Uh, well, it could be your future work uh, workplace, Dan. We don't want to trash them too much yeah, anymore yeah. at the end. And so. You guys can find me at DallasMavs.com. You're going to end up like Band McMahon. That's what's, that's, that's really going to happen. Um, so we will end here. Thanks, everybody, who made it to the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I know we did. It was a very fun trade season, uh, more so than previous ones and that's why we had to get together and talk about it so we'll see everybody on a future episode of backboard of the rings and until then i guess uh what don't follow out of life or something i don't know <laughs>